Come on. What, dude? We got a podcast to record. Dude, what are you talking about? It's only it's, Tuesday. It's Saturday. It's... A, oh. Oh. Um, give me... Um, just a second. Um, Come on already. I'm, I'm... Don't rush perfection. Okay, everybody. Episode 7.21... One <laughs> episode seven point one of the Sox cast is in your living room because I hope you're listening to this in your living room. I put the pistol to the poodle and I shot that bitch. I'm your host, Polly. So <laughs> violent. I know. And um to my immediate virtual right is the only man that can save us from this imperishable night. It's Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? Good. I got a big fat motherfucking bone to pick with you. Oh, great. We're starting with one of these again. It's fucking cold. It snowed today, you motherfucker. Oh, it snowed here, too. I hate snow. This is all your fucking fault. It was 50 degrees today. It was really unpleasant. I had to put on a sweater. Shut up, Florida boy. <sighs> yeah, but he, has, he, has to, he has to worry about the ozone hole and alligators, so he has it worse. I bet he likes alligators the ozone hole. Alligators aren't that bad. I, I bet he likes the ozone hole. Don't you, John? To my immediate virtual left. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> to my immediate virtual left. He is the biggest fan of 90s R&B singer Seal. You might even call him a Celiac. It's John Fire. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How you doing, John? I'm doing really well, thanks. <laughs> Can I ask you a serious question? Sure. Because I know you're getting married soon and all, and I just wanted to ask, like, when it, when it comes to between you and Anna, who's going to be the breadwinner? Um, well, I'm getting this computer science degree, so that helps. Um, yeah, pro- probably that. He's going to oh, get Oh, wait, bread. Oh, ouch. Oh, my God. Oh. He's going to get this fucking two Ow. hours later. I, know. <laughs> I, I, don't get, I don't get it. I, I can't eat bread. Oh. Uh, and as you might have heard, on the hamper seat this time, we have from the Giant Bombs moderating team forum place thingy thingy majig. He is a man who illogically hates as many things as Jeff Gerstman. <laughs> it's Moosey McMahon. Dun, 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 dun. How you doing, Moosey? I'm doing pretty well. I don't have a great big fucking bone to pick with you. Fantastic. I don't even. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. When you're done, you will. By the time all of this is said and done. You'll hate me just as much as the rest. Yeah. This guy I said fuck off to a bunch in the other podcasts, right? I think so. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I, think, I, oh, yeah. I don't think I listened to that one. Oh, okay. Sorry, Moosey. I sent like seven emails. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, fuck off. Oh, fuck off. Oh, fuck off. It was pretty great. That's, that sounds about right. It's a, br- br- a brilliant cacophony of fuck off. I kind of like how that sounds. Brilliant cacoph of fuck off. Eh? Nobody? Eh? Does this mean that we need to settle the roguelikes turn-based thing once no, and for all? No, 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 abort, abort, <laughs> fucking abort, not even bringing it up again. I will bleep it the fuck out. Um, so before we get into everything else, there are a couple of podcast-related things we need to go over. Um, from here on, well, I guess I should just start from the beginning, because the beginning is a good place to start. I'm really fucking organized this time, I tell ya. Um, it's like you've been distracted by something. I know. What could it possibly be? My fingers keep moving to my keyboard's WASD and arrow keys for some reason. As as a lot of you probably know, these podcasts tend to run a little long, especially when we, we add things to the second half, like a three-hour Majora's Mask discussion. <sighs> I'm pretty sure it went longer than that. It was three and a half hours, I think. Okay. Um, but what we've decided to do from here on out, as you will see with this episode, is that um, from now on when we do uh, a, a topic centerpiece, we're going to split the episode in half to make it easier to digest. So what you're getting right now is episode 7.1. And um, a few days later, you know, whenever, we'll release episode 7.2 that will have our awesome... Metal Gear Solid discussion. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Does that mean that people who just want to hear us talk about Metal Gear are going to skip this section? I would hope not. And if they do, I hate them. Okay. Metal Gear. I hate them forever. Um, And our uh, second order of business applies directly to listeners, because I know that our listeners like giving us feedback. Right, Moosey? Yeah, they love it. They they sure do. feedback. Sure. They love sending in feedback, and they love being an active participant in the conversations that we have. And uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's kind of getting towards the end of the year. What? Yeah, and um, I'm thinking... I know, it's already Christmas season. And, it's oh. already Christmas season since before Halloween. <laughs> but... um. As as a lot of websites and podcasts are wont to do as it comes towards the end of a year, we're going to be doing a Game of the Year discussion of our own, myself, John, and Rhett, and we want you to be a part of that. So, what we're going to need you to do before, let's say, I don't know, December 12th, why don't you have us a nice little list of your top three games of the year? The things that you enjoyed the most, the top three, all that fun shit. Um, you can write a little bit about them if you want. And, you know, we'll, when we do the Game of the Year episode, we will have Rhett read your lists on air in a Cockney accent. Um, hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Gov. Got spiders in me tea. Oh, it sounds unpleasant, it does. I've got spiders in my teeth as well. No, wait, that's just bad Oh, genes. blimey. Um, I found that those lists are really, really, really fun to write, too. So, you know, so yeah, they, um, that could be a fun thing to do. So, internet yeah. loves lists. The internet loves lists, and we will probably mm-hmm. have, like... Oh, 
five speaking fucking. Of that, speaking of that, Polly, I'm gonna I'm gonna need your your website to host my. Uh, I'm gonna make a Twine Luigi Choose Your Own Adventure themed game of the year, and I'm gonna need your website to host it. Okay, that sounds because awesome. That sounds asked, interesting. Could have asked me that privately. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but, why uh, would I do that when I just <laughs> thought of it now? But, um, yeah, so, if you got a game of the year list, um, these don't have to be games that you played in 2014, because that's not how I ever do it, because I rarely ever play anything that was released in the current year, but if it's just something, you know, that you played that maybe wasn't released this year, or if it was, get it on a list and shoot it off the podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net, and we'll read them while we're digging through our individual top ten games and all of that fun stuff, uh, and that'll be... A stupidly long podcast that I'm dreading to edit. <laughs> we should probably make the deadline for that December 11th because 12th is the Friday. Yes, so the deadline is December 11th. <coughs> December 11th. Have those in. I'll, I'll, I will do a reminder uh, on each episode from here on out until we get there, which is only, yeah. well, one more episode one more. <laughs> until that. Not but, really timely about always turning in those lists, too. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. There's one thing we can call John. It's timely. That's why they call him Timely John. That is what they call him. That's even his catchphrase. He jumps out of closets when you least expect it. I'm Timely John! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... At like 4 (laughs) a.m. That is a time. (laughs) Oh, God. So... On to the business at hand, Moosey McMahon. What? I have something I need you to do. What is it? Tell us who the fuck you are and what it is you do. Uh, I'm Moosey McMahon and I do nothing. That's not true. Don't don't be shy now. Uh, okay, well... You like all of our guests. I, you know, I'm one of the moderators over on GiantBomb.com. I didn't say to get braggy, okay? Calm down. <laughs> Come all off right, the well, high I, horse. I, I, Okay, well, all right, I will now describe what I do. (laughs) Okay. There, I did it. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually really funny. I did, he got me for a second. I didn't think he was going to play that kind of joke. Good job. I haven't even had wine. This episode's on a fucking roll. Um, so what the hell have you been into, Mr. Moosey McMahon of the Giant Bomb Forums? Oh, oh wait, I'm a moderator, so I'm better than everybody else. Uh, pretty much. Uh, just playing a lot of video games. What video games have you been playing? Uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Really? Yes. Oh boy, this sounds like the perfect podcast for Call of Duty discussion. I'm actually <laughs> playing it right now. Like, unlike you, not actually playing a game while doing a joke about it, I'm actually doing that. So, ha. Huh. That's re- that's really responsible of you, guest. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for your full attention. So, give us a rundown. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. I've seen video, and I, I was right, just just imagine Call of Duty, except you can double jump and air dash. That's Advanced I that was Warfare. Uh, no, that one you can run on walls, and there's robots. Okay. Okay, so there's no robots, and you can't run on walls. Well, there's drones, but not, like, mechs. Okay, the robots and the running on walls will come next year. More advanced warfare. Oh, no, next year will be Black Ops 3. Oh, is that already confirmed? Tell me that's already confirmed. That's not already confirmed, but it's going to be. It's all but confirmed. Okay. Uh, All right, so... Because it's a Treyarch's game next year. 
when you say like Call of Duty, but let's pretend um, that one of us has never played a Call of Duty game. <laughs> That's uh, all right. What does what does that mean to you? What is like it's Call a of Duty? It's first-person shooter. It's okay. fast-paced. Left trigger, right trigger. Yeah, that's... What, is, what do they do? The left triggers and the right triggers? Uh, left trigger will take your gun and it will make it so that you're... You know like how in real life when you fire a gun, you look down the sights? Mm-hmm. Instead of holding it out to the side, it does that. Cool. That's and, how you then, can light- and then right trigger is pulling the trigger on the gun so you shoot. Uh, okay. And that's- it moves around quickly. It's been a while since I've played Call of Duty. I think the last one I played was Modern Warfare 2. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I played the first I, two hours of Modern Warfare 1 and really enjoyed it. That game's That's really good. I mean, I you know, that. the Black Ops games actually had kind of good campaigns, and, like, they were trying to tell a story. And stuff. I, I especially heard a lot of good stuff about the, la- uh, the last one. Yeah, Black uh, Ops 2, like, had a branching campaign where you made choices and stuff, and, like, it... Some of t- some of the time it was like the literal just like push X to do this and B to do that, but like some like it didn't tell you what the choices were. Like it, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like there's a secret ending you can get for doing a secret thing in one level, and it's, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was a, it was so, a good so campaign. Ghost was the one that a lot of people had problems with. I right? did not. I did not play Ghosts. Okay. So so like. I mean, so do you think Advanced Warfare has, like, the same kind of ambitions, or is it, like, a little more of the same, but with just, uh, like... like... Well, the, it's not, it, there's, no, there's no player choice in the campaign. It's purely linear, you know, like, do one level, they... then you do the next, then you do the next, and it plays out the same every time. So in that sense, no. Get your follow beacon... Follow, oh yeah, oh, yeah. you're hella following dudes in this, and in one, in some levels, a lady instead of a dude. Whoa! Oh, that's nice. you yeah, can ha- you can have those in Call of Duty Land. Yeah, I know. I was, uh, I was not aware that there was a, an estrogen surplus in Call of Duty Land. I mean, I wouldn't say that this is a lady that has a lot of estrogen. Like she's a, she, you know, she's a soldier lady in typical stereotypical fashion, mm-hmm. but. Just like kind of aliens, tough, tough chick kind of bitch. Uh, yeah, no, not like aliens. Like she's not like. Um, Ripley. Was it like a Ellen Ripley? No, no I was thinking. No, I was thinking, no, I, I thinking alien, um, aliens. Latina. Not that. Okay. Anyway. Uh yeah, it's Call of Duty. Uh you 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 run and then you shoot stuff and then you jump over stuff in this one. And like the campaign sounds like it's dumb as balls, but oh, in like the yeah. best, but like yeah, the best possible way. Yeah, in terms of like pacing and variety and stuff, like it is like my favorite of the campaigns. And I, you know, like these games more you than know, the more than the Modern Warfare one. Oh yeah, I mean Modern Warfare one wasn't Modern really Warfare... dumb, was it? It was more just it was that was the really kind of yeah weird down to earth one, I think. I mean, I, it was, this is all just from the outside. Bef- I mean, before before that one, they were like trying to be like serious, like World War Two and like pseudo recreations, you know, like based on historical battles. Recreations sort of, of uh, historical. I, I mean, I mean, I, I I use recreation in the loosest of terms, but you know, they were real battles, and you know, the same like outcomes as in the battles and stuff. Which, which mm-hmm. is to say, no battles where the Nazis ever won were in those games. Right. <laughs> uh, and then Modern Warfare was the one where they said, like, hey, we're doing a fictional campaign, and it's basically like a Tom Clancy movie, except with more shooting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I, I still, like, uh, about, I want to say a year or two ago, I replayed that campaign, just because it was just, I wanted to see, like, 
if it still held up, and I was still very impressed with it. Like it hit, it has those poignant moments in it yeah. that that I think that they've kind of milked a bit too far as the series has yeah, gone on. Yeah, it's one like, of those things where like everyone has like this is the stealth level, and this is the you know you're in like some sort of vehicle up in the air sniping or whatever mission, which you know this game has too, but you know it has its own spins on them and stuff. Yeah, they kind of just retread those tropes in, in a way that, like, it's sort of confined what a Call of Duty campaign is into this yeah. very rigid definition. And I don't feel like I'm missing much when I haven't played it. Because even when I played Modern Warfare 2, I didn't finish it because it was just like, well, this is basically... Yeah, I just... didn't... A lot, a lot, I still, you still will see a lot of people saying Modern Warfare 2 is their, like, their favorite campaign. But of the ones I've played, it was probably my least favorite. Because that was also the one where the level with the level where you shoot a bunch of civilians. Yeah, that was optional. Yeah, that was. That I mean, you, you, you could you could skip that, but you know it doesn't change the fact that it's in there. But or you you could you know play it like I did and like not actually shoot the civilians, but you know Stand even by, by the end like the there are do. yeah even by the end like there's a bunch of like cops that you have to shoot otherwise the level won't let you progress. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, at least they were shooting back, which makes it like a little better. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that um, just seemed like they were kind of courting uh, controversy. But, uh, this one, you know, there's you know, you have the exosuit, which lets you do stuff like double jump and air dash. And in the campaign, there's a bunch of like other gadgets that they tack on for different levels. Like sometimes there's a grappling hook. Sometimes you can turn invisible. And those things, you know, are used pretty well in some of the levels. Like, I like the the grenades that mute <clears throat> surroundings around you. Yeah, uh, that's the, always that the always mute thing. Cool that's those are not uh, those aren't a grenade. Grenades? Those no. Well, it's mute, a, it's a mute, something. It's a thing that lets you mute the environment around you. Yeah, but it's a thing that is used in specific moments for the story. It's not like a thing that you can use to any sort of tactic. Yeah, that's advantage. that's sort of why that that being in a Call of Duty game bums me out because I can think of like really like a really awesome stealth game that yeah. would have a mechanic like that. And you know, there's there's a there's oh, you're a talking level. about a different thing that I was thinking of. I was thinking of like the flashbangs where they explode and then it goes. Yee! I, I mean, just, there there are there are cool flashbangs in this. Like in this game, there's um, grenades are like multi-type grenades. Like you p- can pull down, like switch between different ones. Like the lethal grenades, you can turn into like a floaty grenade that zooms in on people. And the like non-lethal grenades, you can switch between EMPs and like threat detectors, which will mark enemies for you to see, which is really useful. There's like a grenade with an interesting little toggle on it. You pull it out, press a couple of buttons, yeah. and like all of a sudden, it's a grenade that makes me coffee. Uh, I mean, no, no coffee grenades in this. I'm afraid. Fuck this game. Yeah, but there's there's one level. It's it's literally it like literally turns into Splinter Cell, except also Scorpion from Mortal Kombat because like you, you're like hiding in a bush, and then button prompt appears to whistle, which distracts a guard, and then you use a grappling hook to grapple the enemy and pull him toward you and snap his neck. I like that. <laughs> I would enjoy this campaign if only for that moment. Yep. I mean, and you could do it you know a few times in that level, but yeah, it's real dumb and real great. And he, does, he doesn't have a get over here quip, does he? No, he doesn't. That really See, that's bums me out. My least favorite thing about this entire game, the character you play as, his name is Mitchell. He's played by Troy Baker. In the cutscenes, he looks exactly like Troy Baker because they are pre-rendered cutscenes and they just made him look like Troy Baker. You know, we all know Troy Baker, right? Yeah. He never says a single word outside of cutscenes. Like, once you're in mission, characters will talk to him. 
he'll be in situations where a normal person would respond. He never says a word. Oh yeah, I don't like that. That would it's create really a weird. Stupid. That would create a weird disconnect because yes, I mean it does. because if you're gonna tell a story and, and it's going to be about a specific character, just I have mean, the character talk. He's barely know. a character as a result is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that ends up being a real bummer. Because I mean, if if you're riding in the back of a Jeep with Kevin Spacey, like, and he is talking to you, you're not going to sit there being completely silent. Like, you're going to say something to him. Yeah, I mean, they want to have this conceit of, oh, it's you here. You know, we're putting you in the action. But when you is Troy Baker in the cutscenes, that yeah. doesn't make I mean, a lot if, of sense. I if mean, if they were really going for that, they should have done it like the older games where your character just said nothing. But even that, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan of silent protagonists. You know, they should have done it like the Black Ops games and just have them talk when it would be reasonable for him to talk. Right. Either go whole hog one way or the other. Yeah. Just go whole hog one way or the other. Exactly. I agree. Um, so, you know, and the, there's different, like, vehicle sequences, like, in the campaign. Like, sometimes you're riding a speeder bike. Like, there's one level where you're flying a jet through a canyon. You know, there's a... Actually, there were, I said earlier there weren't mechs. There actually are mechs, but they're, like, small mechs. They're kind, they're kind of like an Iron Man armor, except slightly bigger. So it's like a mini mech. And they're called Tiny Tins. <laughs> yes, yes, they're called Tiny Tins. Um, you can, you can, you can buy DLC that's called the Tiny Tim, where it's, uh, Tiny Tim. <laughs> uh, none of that is true. That's all a lie. Does anybody say the words advanced warfare in the campaign? Oh, jeez, I don't think so. Maybe. I, if they did, I probably would have The remembered. mech comes out, and then the person, Kevin Spacey, looks at you. Truly, we are in a state of advanced warfare. I don't think anyone says that. If, oh. if Kevin Spacey said that, I would have remembered. Um, yeah, Kevin Spacey's good. You know, he's, he's Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I've heard he hams it up really good. Uh, and as you would expect and want Kevin Spacey to yeah. do. Oh, naturally. And there's there's a decent amount of him too, so it's not not like some other celebrity voice actor in a game <coughs> Metal Gear, where, where he has like ten lines. I can't wait to see how that pans out, but we will get to that next episode, obviously. Yes, yes. Um, um, so single player sounds like a decently fun little romp. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Is the multiplayer bo- blowing up your skirt any? Uh yes, it's very fun. It's the most fun I've had playing a Call of Duty game online. How well does all of this new tech, like, integrate into what they've already created, or do people just, like, not even bother with it? It, like, for me at least, like, completely changes how you play the game, because, you know, you can, like, dash around the corner, shoot a guy, and then dash back into cover. You know, it's the sort of things that you can't really do without these, you know, new abilities. And, you know, right. Uh, so, so some of them are kind of things that like i tried for a little bit then i turned off so i could have more points to use on other things like you can like hover in the air or use like a portable riot shield but that stuff's all useless but like why would you hover in the air that seems uh, like the worst decision for other people to shoot you yeah that seems like the worst decision one could make yeah. on a battlefield is hey guys up here i don't see many people using that one <laughs> so and, and- Items like shields, I hardly ever see used in any kind of online. Uh, yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, you see someone with a shield, just, like, aim for his feet or wait for the shield to run out because it's, it's on, like, a timer and you can use it for, like, 10 seconds and then it goes away. I think the only time I used a riot shield in a video game ever uh, was maybe Uncharted 2. 
I think I used it to get myself down uh, one you, hallway. There's a difference between the campaign and like a single player. Like oh. in uh, Tom in uh, Rainbow Six Vegas, shields were pretty useful. Well, in the that Rainbow game, Six but series that's a completely is... different type of game. Yeah, that is. Those games are you're supposed to be strategic in those games. Yeah. And playing strategic is rewarded in those games. Yes, not it, it isn't here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is if you're good, but I'm not good. Like, I mostly just run around and die a lot. I run around and keep spamming L and hoping my 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 thing attaches itself yeah. to the target. Uh, and you, part part of the reason I played this is that like my internet friends are playing it, so I have friends to play with and talk about stupid stuff with. So that helps. Yeah, yeah, that definitely does a lot for wanting to play uh, yeah. any kind of online game, really. If you've got people that can play it and get together at good enough times yeah. and coordinate, yeah, that's a good thing to get uh, there, into. There is one new game mode in this that I think is really fun. It's called Uplink. Uh, you may remember, Polly, that I mentioned that on Twitter and we got confused. Yeah, I thought you were talking about a hacking simulator game that I got addicted to. No. Uh, <laughs> that was released about ten years and ago. And when, when you replied, I knew I we were talking about different uplinks. So this one is basically basketball, except you shoot dudes. So there's a, <laughs> there's a ball that like spawns in the middle of the map, and you have to take it to your like big glowy sphere goal thing. And right. if, if you dunk it in, you get two points. If you throw it in, you get one point. So th- it's actually like reverse basketball and scoring. This sounds like a crazy American gladiator sport, only it, if there it were It also guns. is that. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it a lot. See, I can get behind that kind of stupidity. I can get it's like, very stupid. It's, it's a game that sounds incredibly stupid and one that I might be inclined to check out, not that, at a $60 price tag. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah. And also, it it does uh, the kind of thing that works really well with the you know double jumps and air dashes because you know like in order to dunk it in like you have to double jump and you know if you have you get the ball you got you want to, you know get get to the other get to your goal fast because you can't shoot while holding the ball, of course. Well, I mean you can sense. you can shoot the ball by like like a basketball throwy shoot, but you can't like shoot your gun. Right, right. That 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 sounds really fucking fun though. It is really fun. And it, yeah, it's the mode. It's the mode I've played the most, and uh, yeah, that's. I mean, oh, there is also the uh, requisite like quote co-op mode in this game. You know, like how the Black Ops games have zombies and like yeah. Marvel Warfare games have Spec yeah. Ops. It's kind of terrible this year, though. Is it just like a wave shooter? Yeah, it's a it's a wave based survival thing. It's just the same maps as the competitive multiplayer and just like enemies spawn and you know after waves you can like spend points to like unlock upgrades to your guns that don't persist unlike the uh competitive camp uh, multiplayer and it's it's just super boring and it has no personality like i don't like the zombies mode in the black ops games but at least it has personality you know like they recorded a bunch of stupid voiceover for that stuff and it's like unique maps and goofy stuff like laser guns and stuff that isn't in the campaign. But this is just feels like they threw it together at the last minute to check off a checkbox. Just like, here's another thing we can put on the back of the box. I don't think it's actually on the back of the box. Let me check. <laughs> oh, no, no, it, it does it does say, because on the back there's a picture of Kevin Spacey with the text, power changes everything, and it says campaign, multiplayer, and co-op exo survival. So it is on the back of the box. He did it for the power. Oh, God. I also think it's great that there's a picture, a picture of digital Kevin Spacey on the back of the box. Should have been front and center. 
Yeah, on the front, it's just a guy with a gun and an exosuit on, but not Kevin Spacey. Such original oh. box art. You know, at least he's not facing toward the, like, the quote camera. You know, he's, like, facing to the side, so that's a little different. With eyes covered and a general scowl. Uh, actually, he's facing away, so you can't see his eyes. Oh. Is he scowling? That's a pretty good guess, though. Um, let me look at the box again. Uh, I think he's maybe scowling. It's hard to tell. <laughs> so we've got two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. He's not facing forward, but we've got the other two, so that's good. Yep. Yeah. This doesn't. Yeah, so that's, this, get, this one doesn't really interest me, but it's really nice that it's apparently good for all the people who are. Yeah. If, really if you interested don't, yeah, in if it. you don't like Call of Duty, like unless your problem is you can't double jump, like this isn't going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Double jumping is pretty awesome. It is, and I think it makes a dramatic difference and if next year's game does not have this i'm not going to play the multiplayer most likely with with the way they keep churning those things out and using alternating teams and the way teams cannot keep any kind of fucking consistency in what is and isn't in each game i don't expect anything from advanced warfare to be in there man that'd be a real bummer like like i could i wouldn't be upset if it's like oh campaign is our secret black ops 60s you can't double jump but multiplayer is just double jump because why not like i would be fine with that i think every game from here on should just have a double jump yeah even games where you even games that don't require jumping i think you just give them a double jump exactly binding of isaac does not have a double jump it does have a jump, though. Uh, yeah. It does have a jump. I mean, you can fly sometimes, so that's kind of like a perpetual jump. There's a jump button upgrade. But anyway. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> you're yeah, so playing... I, that's about all I have to say about Call of Duty. Cool. Hey, playing anything else? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Um, huh, we, we, can, we, can save, we can save that oh. for later if you want, because I've been playing another thing that I don't think you other guys have been. Okay, we'll 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 table the, this uh, this weird binding of eyes. I'm guessing this is a weird indie game that you played. Ah, uh, yes, it is. It is. A, yeah. it, it is a weird game, and it is an independent game. So yes, I, I, I might have Super Meat Boy. I might have put a couple of hours into this just to give it a look. So we'll talk about that in a bit. All right. The other thing I've been playing is the new Mario Kart 8 DLC. What all is included in this? Because this, like, I've been seeing people go off on Twitter about it for like the last week and a half or something, and it's just it sounds and looks really freaking awesome. Alright, so this is the first of two packs, which they're selling either individually or as a bundle. Next pack is coming in May of next year. Jeez. Yeah, I know. That's but, a little long to be waiting to add more content to your... But, but you save like $4 if you buy the bundle and you get like extra Yoshi and Shy Guy colors, so I bought the bundle. Because makes... I, want, I want pink Shy Guy. God, who's gonna <laughs> ca- who's going to care about this game by May of next year is just a real question, though. You know, we'll worry about that in May. I, I want to worry about that in May, but I just think that that is such a weird thing. I mean, I understand Nintendo's new to all of this stuff, but good you lord. You know, it, t- it takes time to make this stuff, because there's, like, a decent number amount of content in this. There's and, like, and, I guess, and I guess, like most companies that deal in DLC, they didn't just, you know, include it as part of the development cycle and then just cut well, it. Not in this case, because the yeah. game came out in, what, like, May of this year or something? Uh... Like. It came out early this year. Yeah, it, it came out before the summer. I know that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, this new DLC pack, there's three new characters, um, four new carts, including one new set of wheels and one new, like, glider thing, and eight new tracks. 
which which is which is there's thirty two there's thirty two in the main game, so that's a sizable amount of tracks relatively. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's eight bucks for this one pack or twelve if you buy the bundle. That's a hell of a deal already, yeah. and I and I don't even know what's in the second pack yet. <laughs> uh they've they've said the characters for the second pack, but uh, that's it. Uh, so the new of... so the you know I said there's three characters, only one of them is worth caring about because two of them are Tanuki Soup Mario and Cat Peach. So unless you're a furry, I don't see the appeal. Right. But the third one is Link, and it's like Skyward Sword Link, so it's that like cute art style. Oh, I don't like Skyward Sword's aesthetic. Do <laughs> <sighs> you like character designs? I, I haven't really looked at them lately. I I love the art style in that game, so let's let's not talk about this. Cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So there's the four carts. One of one of which is a motorcycle for Link that looks like a horse, which is great. And there's the Blue Falcon from F-Zero, which is also great. Let me just say, I fucking love F-Zero. Oh, yeah. Then you should play this DLC because Mute City is one of the tracks. That is crazy awesome. And it has, like, a new remix of the, like, Mute City song that also has a saxophone in it, which is great and stupid like, and funny. More like saxophone. do do yeah, so it's eight, eight well, eight quote new tracks because three of them are remakes of older tracks. There's uh, one from Double Dash, one from the Super Nintendo, and one from the Wii. Well, it didn't take nothing to create those assets. No, and stuff, no, though, no. Because, I mean, so I, I don't think that them being remakes is entirely bad. And you know, and they're good tracks. You know, I have I have nothing against them remaking them because you know they add new mechanics. Like the Super Nintendo one, they obviously had to completely rebuild because that was a two D game. Yeah. Um, and the Wii one, I never played Mario Kart Wii, so to me, it m- might as well be a new new track. But, you know, they're all good tracks. You know, they're fun. There's a, uh, Three of them are based on other games. Like, there's an Bike one. There's the Mute City one, which has this cool thing. You know, in F-Zero, there's those, like, uh, sections, those strips where you, like, dr- drive over them to refill your energy. In this, they give you coins, which, you know, make you go faster, so that's neat. And there's a Legend of Zelda one where instead of coins, it's rupees, and it has a like new remix of the like Zelda theme. That's cool. So yeah, they're good tracks. It's Mario Kart. It definitely sounds like a hell of a deal. Yeah, it's yeah, like, cool. Nintendo's tracks. doing DLC right. Yeah. Have they ever done any of these like uh, crossover things before with Mario Kart? It seems no, like they a new have thing. not. Mario Kart's always been quote Mario characters, which you know includes Donkey Kong and. Uh-oh. I think just Donkey Kong in terms of stuff that's not strictly Mario Mario. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, Donkey Kong's been part of the Mario canon since <laughs> Donkey Kong. So actually, <laughs> when you think about it, Mario is a spin-off of Donkey Kong. Of the Donkey Kong, Kong. Yeah, canon, yeah. Right? Mario is a spin-off of Jumpman. <laughs> yeah. A little weird now that I've, I've never thought about it that way before. Your whole perspective on reality, your life up until this point, has been a lie. <laughs> That's true. Your eyes have been opened. Welcome to the world. You know what else upsets me is that Birdo is still not a playable character in Mario Kart 8. How is that possible? There's four, like four or five baby characters, Metal Mario, Pink Gold Peach, and two new furry variants, and no Birdo. That's kind of fucking stupid. Yeah. 
Why the, would... the characters they're adding in the second pack are like Villager from Animal Crossing, some other Animal Crossing character, and okay, wait a Dry second. Bowser. It's not just some other character from Animal Crossing. It's I, fucking I, Isabel. I've never played. Oh shit! I, really? Yeah. I've never oh played an god. Animal Crossing, so I don't know. I'm oh sorry. Oh my god! I would be too. I would be too busy, like dying of cuteness, if I had to play a game that was racing Isabel. She's goddamn adorable. I, I'll, can I'll take your word for DLC it. Next year, you'll see it in May, seven months from now. God, Nintendo, what in the world? <laughs> I mean, like, I am totally on board with them getting into the idea of doing DLC. Like, I think that it's a forward thinking for them. It's it's unusually forward thinking for them. Yeah. Um. And but, like, it's just. In five months, you know, in seven months. An- another thing I will say against this is that they, you know, they announced this stuff like a couple months ago, and they updated the game with before then to support the DLC. But that also included advertising for the DLC in game. So in the character select oh screen, you see like here's the characters you'll get with the DLC, and then the track select like here's the cups you'll get with the DLC, which is super annoying. Tiny victories, I suppose. You gotta take what you can get with Nintendo. Yeah. Also, there was that Mercedes Benz DLC, which was really stupid. That was yeah, that, yeah. That's entirely <laughs> but, separate from this, right? But that was that was yeah, that was separate. That was free. And also, there were those like, have you seen those Japanese Mercedes Benz commercials with with Mario, really realistic Mario? Yes, they are really fucking creepy. Oh, they put out a couple new ones too recently, and they are the best. Oh, they they're just... so. I watched one and it just squicked me the fuck out. Oh, it's so good. It's just oh god, it just gave me the heat. Oh, I wish they would make a game where you play as that guy. <laughs> oh my god. I haven't seen these, I'll have to look them up. You definitely oh, They're yeah, so good. It's Yeah. Cause it's like this big, like tall guy, like muscular guy with a fake, like Mario nose and mustache, and he's dressed <laughs> as Mario and he steps out from Mercedes Benz. Oh, it's the best. Just yeah, so, that's, so that's that's the Mario Kart 8 DLC, and the next pack will be the same number of characters and carts and stuff. Oh, so... Oh, this makes I'm, me I'm, sad. I don't know how much of the, the new the other track pack will be completely new course tracks or, like, remade tracks, if, you know, that affects anyone's purchasing decision. I think it's well worth the $12 for I would- this. I don't even own the game, and it's just like you know, if somebody's doing DLC right, it's in intense. terms of in terms of adding, con- you know, like giving you value for what you're paying for. I'm gonna say it's Nintendo because yeah. that's a shitload of content to add to a game. Because the, the total number of tracks after all this will be 16, which is half the the tracks from the the, the full game. From, yeah, that's yeah. that's really crazy, and like I, we don't compliment Nintendo's uh, decisions on this podcast a lot. Uh, because they they can be a little derpy, yeah. but but uh, I gotta say that you know if I was a Wii U owner with Mario Kart Eight, I'd be very happy right now. I am very happy right now. I mean, it also helps that I have people to play online with and occasionally people to play locally with. That's really awesome. Um, you know, even though I do think this is a decent single player experience, but not like a great one unless it's, you really want to play against ghosts. It's all in the multiplayer. Yeah, I- I've seen nothing but like, yo, Except, dog, play this oh, game online. Man, I hate 
the lightning bolts. I wish I could just turn off the lightning bolt. Like people complain about the blue shells. Lightning the bolts lightning are even bolt meaner. Is the and they're the one, they've been in the series at least since the in this first game, game. They added the like this horn thing that can defeat the blue shell. So if you get that, you're fine. But nothing stops the lightning. Nothing stops the lightning. Nothing stops the lightning. That's the uh, that's that's the tagline for the Final Fantasy Thirteen oh, Steam, Steam release. <laughs> Nothing stops the lightning. Also, also for revengeance because he's the lightning in the rain. You know, I should yeah, I should have went with that. I should have went with that. I went right for Final Fantasy Thirteen. Bad should've, taste on my part. Should have gone with the good game. Bad taste on my part. I'll take my lumps for that one. Metal Gear. Oh jeez. <laughs> We're not even at that portion, and it's just like that's going to be a predominant thing. Everybody, just get your best solid snake impressions out of the way. Um, Metal Gear, Rhett. Oh, oh, I'm not ready. Come on, Metal. I'm ready. Oh god, what's terrible? Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear. Uh, see, I'm. I can't do it. I don't have a rasp. Get some testosterone in that voice. Nah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, could, I think that, I that's about all I have to say about Mario Kart. If we're if we're moving on, yeah, uh huh. Cool. You've been playing anything else, or is that about it? Uh, I think that's about it. Well, you know, it's interesting that you brought up Mario Kart Wii because I currently have a Wii U in my domicile. That's a really? pretty fine console you've got. I'm there. I'm very happy with what I have seen of the Wii U so far, and it's just like I need to definitely like either kill my friend and steal his uh or end up you know just buying my own uh but um he let me borrow uh his wii u and like 12 games that's more games than i own for it and i'm like obsessive compulsive so like trying to decide on playing one game was insanely difficult for me so I settled on Hyrule Warriors, which is why is because I like <laughs> because I like Dynasty Warriors four and I why? played it and I played it long. It looked enough. really nice. Um, why have Fan you played? Service. Okay, have you played a Dynasty Warriors game? No. Okay, then I'm going to say that your opinion does not matter at this point in time. Yeah, Hyrule Warriors. I haven't played a Dynasty Warrior game either, but Hyrule Warriors looked pretty cute. Hyrule Warriors is just absolute dumb fun in a can or a disc. You don't buy games on cans. That's I, I, I have. Why would I say that? <laughs> Why would I say something so stupid? It's as okay, a... Polly. It's okay. It is. It is. You can put games in cans like you could store a bunch of DS games in them. You can. I'm going to buy you, a can. You can. God. Think of if you Damn. got like 32 gigabytes. <laughs> All right. Imagine 32 gigabytes. Mini SD cards with ROMs on them. Let's put them in a coffee can. And think how many, think how many ROMs you could store in a can. Uh, You could have like two. John, stop! (laughs) Oh my god! So I played Hyrule Warriors, and like like I was saying, that game is just a lot of fucking. Did you say that Hyrule Warriors high rules? I might say that if I said really dumb things like that. Would you say that it warriors? So that game is actually <laughs> that game. It's like I can't even pick up legitimately because that was so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm leaving it all in. I'm leaving it all in. 
would you say that it's legendary? This joke's old now. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Would I say it's for the Wii U? (laughs) John, why are you laughing? (laughs) That wasn't funny! (laughs) So, okay. Hyrule Warriors, everybody knows what it is. It's Legend of Zelda in, like, you know, the kind of gameplay you get from a Dynasty Warriors game, which is you and you, you, and you, you, you. Me? You. You could pick up a gamepad and you could play a game that is a lot like Dynasty Warriors, where you control a dude, any person from the Zelda fucking franchise you can think of, you can probably play as. You can... (laughs) <laughs> you can't play as Tangle, unfortunately. So I that guess good that's statement. why I didn't buy that game. My statement is null and void. <laughs> but um, okay, there is a vast selection of characters you can play as, and they are all they they all kick an equal amount of ass, and you just run up and down these crazy big battlefields, slaughtering hundreds of dudes at a time. You know, by the time you end any mission, you've got like 2,500 or 3,000 KOs, all in your name. more than I had in the entirety of the Call of Duty Advanced (laughs) Warfare campaign. (laughs) And it's just insanity. It is a dumb button masher. It is dumb button masher with a whole shitload of style, though. The way that this weaves, like, the Legend of Zelda references and callbacks and figments of the story together into this really dumb gameplay. It's just, it's so lavishly done. There's a lot, I mean, with Dynasty Warriors games, whether you've played them or not, you can sort of look at these game, look at those games and see that, like, they recycle a lot of shit. Um, like, in terms of assets, in terms of, like, battle maps, in terms of just, like, even story and shit, it's just, like, you guys are, you know, pushing like what is tasteful in a, in a sequel these days. Um, but uh, Hyrule Warriors just has so much new content, and so like it's all you know Nintendo-based assets. So, it, 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 and and you've got Team Ninja working on the cinematics, which are just equally impressive. Um, but Jesus Christ, it's just. It's a dumb game, and I know that my taste is probably a little suspect for liking it little. as much as as much as I do. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but from start to finish, I just had a complete blast with it. I didn't once feel bored because the game kept throwing me new characters to play with, to level up, to get you know to get new abilities, weapons, and things for it, to go and try out. And uh, yeah, I spent about twenty to twenty-five hours with this game, and it seems it, long. And it it didn't bore me. It's um, really cool. It's and there, you know, a lot of people will just say that yeah, it is a dumb button masher. Yes, you know, there's not a lot to it, but there are, you know, there are elements of strategy within each mission because it's not just like run from one end of the battlefield to the other end of the battlefield while cutting people down. It's just like, you know, the battles change dynamically over the course, you know, and these battles can last anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, and your objectives are constantly changing, or it's just like, yo, fall back, you know, one of one of the points that we captured earlier is starting to be taken again, we need to get these guys out of here, and they just handle the, the, the way... St- the way the story and the missions progress so well, and it's just, 
it's fuck it's such a well put together game that i cannot fault it you know for you know like for being dynasty, dynasty warriors. warriors yeah i can't fault yeah. it for being dynasty warriors esque if people are tired of those games because i think that this is an entirely you know if not you know it, if it's not mechanically you know a, a divergence from what those games do the setting the characters the way the story is presented, um, the unique battles, like just everything that is there to be loved about the Legend of Zelda is in there. Even the except stuff Tingle, except Tingle. Even the stuff that I don't like about the Legend of Zelda, like Skyward Sword crap. It oh, was Skyward Sword was good. But um. Yeah, uh, but, you know, even the content that I didn't necessarily click with, let's say. Cool. Um, I, Hyrule Warriors, is, is, it a, is it a reason to own a Wii U? Absolutely not. I don't think that... Well, there's plenty of other reasons to own one. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Bayonetta 2, for instance. Oh, man. Oh, uh, get, those games man. look really cool. I played oh, that, like, last week. I should have talked about that. That game's oh, good. Oh, God, the Bayonetta games are so good. They make me so happy. Oh, yeah. If and when I get a Wii U, I'll definitely pick up both of those and just play them straight through. Yeah, it totally they look really rad. Yeah, and plus, if you buy Bayonetta on disc, you Bayonetta two, you get Bayonetta one with yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I so. that's what I meant. We'll just play them both. Okay, one yeah. and two. So yeah, uh, a full a full throated endorsement of Hyrule Warriors, but not not the reason you're going to own a Wii U. But if you're looking for another Wii U game and you want to like just beat the shit out of dudes a lot with some really awesome attacks and just feel like a total badass the whole time. You should play Bayonetta 2. <laughs> it seems I'm like not, a really not, nice version of what it's selling itself as. I'm not going to argue with Moose's point. And you know what? There's a Link costume in Bayonetta 2 and Bayonetta. So <laughs> you can do it as Link. Okay, that's a damn good point. <laughs> okay. And there's a sword in there that when you equip it with that costume, it looks like the Master Sword, and it makes all the uh, angel halos look like rupees. The way she holds it is, like, really weird. It's like a really, like, Well, it's, that, it's because it's normally up... a katana, so yeah. it's, like a, it's a katana stance. Yeah, it's really high stance, and it looks weird for, like, a Link kind of thing. Like, I don't typically think... I mean, like... also, she has shows a lot more cleavage than Link usually does. It's not like the the pink and daisy costumes where like it's constant upskirts and she has like a thong on like that's really dumb. I fucking love the Samus costume though. It looks really good on her, and I I thought it would look really dumb, but I, I played around with I think it for that a bit. one is better in Bayonetta two than Bayonetta because in Bayonetta one she has the tall hair, so that's represented in the other costumes, and I think right. it's real stupid with the Samus one. Yeah. It, it, I, I've only messed around with uh, Bayonetta 1 on that so yeah. far, just because I wanted to see, you know, because I played the PS3 version of the first Bayonetta, unfortunately. Not, not, not oh. the version to play. I played it on 360. <gasps> God, a game is so bad on the three, uh, on the PS3, but I played a bit of... Uh, Even on Wii U, I think it has some frame rate problems. That, yeah, it was a little framey. I wasn't uh, expecting Bayonetta, that. Bayonetta 2, totally fine. You know, because they built... They I guess it's just converting it. Like optimizing it for Wii U, but yeah. and you know, hey, not going to complain though. It's a damn good version of the first game. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and it's for free. You uh, can't, you can't. I, I, will, argue that. I will say though, uh, you get the uh, Nintendo costumes like right from the get-go in Bayonetta. You have to unlock them in Bayonetta two, mm. and they're like a hundred thousand like halos each. 
which is not a small amount. Well, I'm mostly using my time with the Wii U as sort of a a, a taste tester. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to beat Bayonetta 2, but I do know that I want to play it a bit. You, sh- you should play that game through to the end. But I want to buy it when I get a Wii U. And so, like, when I buy my Wii U, I want there to be new things that I haven't fully, oh, okay. you know, That's plumed fine. to the depths of. Um, so, yeah, uh, Bayonetta, great. Hyrule Warriors, pretty good. Um, and this next game has kind of uh, let's just say I've put, like I said earlier, <laughs> I've, I've put a couple hours into The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Here uh, we go. Which is um, uh, just a fucking goddamn fantastic remake of 2011's Binding of Isaac. And I want to make a little anecdote here before I jump into that game. I love how Divekick gets endless shit about being a Flash game. <laughs> that's just because of Dave Wayne. Like, that's the entire reason for that. Well, no. I no. mean, people that aren't even familiar with the Dave Lang thing or his familiarity with Giant Bomb or even I'm Iron pre- Galaxy. I'm pretty sure that, like, 95% of the people complaining about that are doing it directly to Dave Lang solely because they want to annoy Dave Lang. I don't no. know about that. I think I've... that's people on Giant Bomb saying it as a joke, but then... You but go then, into Steam forums and people are saying it completely seriously. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like I, don't, I don't really go into Steam. Yeah, people. You oh, don't <laughs> just stay far away. Um, but you know, Dive Kick uh, unfairly gets criticized as a flash game. Where I even think it's, I think it's fair. Where even, <laughs> I, like, even I love Dive Kick, and I but it's not it's actually fair. a flash game. But it's not a flash game. It looks. It, I believe it was made in Game Maker. Actually, Dive Kick was made in Game Maker. I cool. think it might have been. Because I've seen um, some behind-the-scenes, I've seen some behind-the-scenes footage at Iron Galaxy, and the coding console they were using looked a lot like the coding console in Game Maker. I mean, that seems huh. like something Iron Galaxy would do. <laughs> but to, to get to my point, people bitch about Dive Kick being a flash game. That's the point I'm trying to make. When The Binding of Isaac, the original game, is a flash game. <laughs> this is a flash executable, and it turned out to executable. be one of. <laughs> and it turned out to be one of the biggest like fucking indie sensations when it was released. It's one of the biggest success stories ever. The money that Ed McMillan and uh, the other dude made on that collaboration is staggering. Uh, but what we have here well, with the Binding of Isaac Rebirth is uh, not a reimagining. Um, it's not a sequel. It's not anything of the sort. It is. You a, could say it's a rebirth. It is a. <laughs> it is a rebirth of that original game, um, in a not shitty platform. Oh, um, oh, sorry, Rhett. I will admit though, that, like the problems the first game had were directly yeah, tied to it being Flash, including like, frame rate. Oh, including the fl- the frame rate and their inability to even update the thing anymore because trying to export yeah. it corrupts it entirely. So oh they could God. they could no longer even update the original anymore. Um, so this is released by um, Nicholas, um, which they did uh, the Cave Story um, reimaginings as well. And this is essentially a one to one creation of the original game, but it runs at just this gorgeous sixty frames a second. Isn't you know, there a bunch of new stuff too? Oh, there's uh, a bo- there's about 160 new items to find. There's oh man, 
there's a uh, I think 16 new bosses um, and two I want to say two new uh, areas uh, in the game um, and the, the first things first if you did not like Binding of Isaac this isn't going to convince you because this is you know this is the Binding of Isaac as Edmund McMillan I mean unless rich- your, your problem was no like easy way to use a gamepad because this right. is ad support yeah if, mm-hmm. yeah it's especially yeah, it, on PS4 where that's the only way to play it yeah uh, I prefer keyboard myself feels natural I think it's totally fine with the controller but um if you didn't like it before this isn't going to change your mind um it is the binding of isaac as edmund mcmillan envisioned it but it's got you know a swanky new art style it has a a completely new soundtrack um they unfortunately couldn't carry over uh the soundtrack from the original game uh, was there a specific legal reason for that uh, I think Edmund McMillan and uh, Danny Baranowski had a falling out. Oh, huh. And, and, that. and uh, they just dissolved that partnership. Um, the music in this new game, how, or, the music in The Binding of Isaac Rebirth does make vague allusions to a lot of the good music in the original game, but there's no nothing that I can notice that's, you know, directly like a remake or anything like that. So it's got an all new, much more atmospheric soundtrack, which a lot of people are kind of not digging, but I think, I like it. I think it fits, I think it fits the new art style really well with everything just looking, you know, somehow even gnarlier and just more gross than it ever did. Like I thought that the original game's art style was, it's pretty grody and gross, right? See, that's the thing I don't like. I mean, I mean, we can t- get to what I don't like later, but but yeah, but I think it's fair to say that you know that it's it's art it's art style can be off putting, and yeah. I think that the new art style just allowed them to take that original art style and go even more bonkers with it now that it's you know HD and um, quote unquote prettier, um, but. Uh, this game's kind of taken over my life. Um, I've not stopped playing it since it came out, and I, I, I've played about 50 hours almost so far. That's um, a lot. <laughs> and it's just, it has that hook of every time, you know... You, you unlock something, you're incentivized to want to go back and try to unlock more, or you're incentivized it's like, ooh, there's that thing that I unlocked. I want to go back into the game and try and find it and play with it now. And there's just so many different item combinations that you can play with. Um, There definitely seem to be a lot more abilities that synergize with one another. Um, and, And it's just, it's totally easy to just put together some spectacular runs with some spectacularly broken things because the game still maintains its philosophy of, yeah, there's a lot of shit in here that's completely broken and we don't care because that's how this game's supposed to be played. You know, yeah, there are some things in here that are probably way too damn hard, but everything about this, you know, like, if you went about trying to balance that game, I think it would lose a a lot of its charm because there's something about you know, putting together those kinds of runs, you know, those dime a dozen runs where everything goes completely your way and you just go through and blow every single final boss out of the water in a matter of seconds. And that just feels so damn good. Yeah. Um, and for me, 
I, I, I also derive a lot of enjoyment from my failures because I've had a lot of runs that have been either middling to average, but they forced me to think outside the box and how I used things. Like, there's a dumb pill or a, or a dumb bean that you can get that just makes you fart. And that was the only, you know, uh, active item that I could get for that run, the game just was not coughing up any keys for me to try and get anything better, and as I kept getting further and further, you know, because my skill had advanced, you know, from having played the game enough, I was able to utilize my own skills in being able to handle the challenges uh, that I just kept getting further and further, and getting further in this run was harder, so it was just like, okay, I've got to make the best that I can with this dumb fart bean. So I just run around farting on things and poisoning them and letting the toxic damage do what it can to make just up like for in the, real life <laughs> <laughs> to make up for the damage that I can't. And even when those runs fail, they're still just like I have this feeling of accomplishment. It's like, you know what? Well, I almost fucking did it. You know, it's just like I, I just got tapped out of resources or I made some dumb dodges somewhere along the way that weren't good enough. You know, I just like, I don't feel that the game's actively fucking me, but there are times where that game will just rip its pants down and lay the biggest curly turd on your chest and you will L- feel like, like li- a fucking Like literally, bomb. too. Yeah, literally. Like, there's a lot of poop in that game. <laughs> yeah, there is no figuratively so here. There is no figuratively here, but... Um, and it's disgusting. If, you want, if you're going to have poop, you need so much poop. This game, this, game has, this game has poop everywhere. It's got poop on the floor. It's got poop enemies. It's got poop bosses. It's got poop powers. Like poop hats. It's got special codes that... It's got poop, it, it's got flies, it's got blood. It's got, it's, it's got a special code you can put in to where, you know, everywhere you walk, you will just leave a trail of poop. It's got all the poop. It's got rainbow poop. It's got it's poop got that kills you golden if you touch poop. it. Yes, it's got rainbow poop. It's got poop that killed me when I touched it. <laughs> I died to an inanimate fucking poop. There's also animate poops. There are animate poops. Yes. Aren't there poops where you'll cry on them and then they'll turn into flies? Uh, I think no. you can. I think you can Actually, just get yes, a poop are. and then it, and then a fly yeah, gets released from underneath. Yeah, yeah those, are, those are the ones with corn in them. Corny poops. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's, talking that's about. That's why that. I lost it. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, this game is the only time in my life I have ever said lemon party is so awesome. I don't know what Lemon Party is, but I... Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, go I ahead and look it up, John. I know how you like to research things. Go I, ahead and I, look I, I you up. I, oh, wait. That was one I of those... Okay. I don't either. Well, I think it's what? one of those, like, shock things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... I mean, I'm not bothered by it. I was like, oh, okay. That's oh, a yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. I'd be fine, but... It's like, oh, that's a thing. Whatever. But, um... Does this game have an item named Meat, meat Spin? Ah. Uh, you can make meat boy, and yeah. you can and you can get a spinny saw from uh, <laughs> from Super Meat Boy as a power up, but I don't think it has meat spin unless I haven't found it yet. Is, it just is sounds that, like is that something also that a totally. reference to an internet thing. Oh yeah, because I've legit not even heard of that one. And like, there's other obvious internet callouts like shoop de whoop. Is yeah. that that? Is that racist? That seems racist it somehow. It does seem racist, yes. Um, it came from 4chan, so bet on yes. So yes, it's probably fucking racist. But okay. I thought that was from the laser videos. 
Yeah. Like the fire and my laser things. But I think those originated on 4chan. Oh, really? Okay. But um, Those are so old. <laughs> I honestly, like, there's nothing I can think of to complain about this game. Like, I've not felt myself so compelled to just keep hitting the retry button or let's start a new run. I just finished that one run, but let's start a new one. Uh, you know, I'm really wanting to boot it up. I, I don't have the new one, but... Honestly, I just kind of want to boot up the original right now. The original did that to me as well. The, the feedback mm-hmm. loop. It was really cost- good. The, the feedback loop of constantly unlocking new things um, and, and feeling myself get better at dodging attacks and things like that. I just, you know, like it's a game that just made that just keep just keeps making me feel good because it keeps giving me stuff. And I imagine when the game stops giving me stuff, you know, like the mechanics are solid enough for me to enjoy on a level where it's just like, I feel like I'm playing, you know, a, just a Twitch game, you know, where it's just like, I'm playing a really good Twitch action game. And, you know, no matter what build I get, it's up to me to try and figure out, you know, how to utilize it. Unless the game just poops on my head. Literally. Uh, and even the poop on the head can be kind of fun. <laughs> there is an item uh, called the Scatole that is uh, poop on the head and it makes all flies friendly to you. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, it's free this month yes, on PS4 is, and Vita. Even is. if you don't have those systems, if all you have a, is a PS3 and you have PlayStation Plus, like go to the website and redeem it, so you will have it. Yeah, in the yeah. Future. You will That's want me this right game. now. You, you will go, want this go game. do that. Um, and so, it's, it, it's perfectly fine on PS4. So you, I enjoy it there. So Moosey, you mentioned there may be some things you didn't like about That's, it. Do they do they like go almost, beyond almost entirely the art style? Like I don't uh, I don't like the poop stuff. Like, see, like yeah. the game part, like there's sometimes I wish I could shoot eight ways, but even then, like, that's not a big complaint. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just I, I feel that a lot a lot of the time the the inability to shoot in eight directions, uh I think that gets played up way too much by some people. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, I, like I said, like it's a minor. Like it's like yeah. sometimes I feel that way. Usually yeah, the, I don't I don't I think it's a tactical much. choice. Yeah, like, like the game and everything everything about the game mind. is designed around that. Yeah, it's designed cool. around it's designed around that limit limitation. It's like when Volgar the Viking came out, people wondered why he couldn't slash up and the developer was like, You've gotta create limitations. You know, if you know it, creating those limitations creates compelling gameplay. It makes you think outside the box. It makes you think you know how how to play smarter like in binding of isaac you know you can curve your shots by moving that's oh, I love not easy that. to do though it's like it, well it's, it's end hit you you can get like when you've put the kind of time i've put into it you kind of get good at it i'm um, sure you do i'm uh i'm i'm kind of good at curving my shots these days and not that's getting so cool hit. that there's that level of nuance to it that you yeah, can it, be rewarded it factors that in that much. kind of momentum um but God, it's just, you know, like, other than Shovel Knight, I can't think of a game, like, that I've played this year that's made me like, oh, God, this is something I can't put down, I want to keep playing. Um, And, yeah, that's basically been about all I've been playing, unless anybody's (laughs) got some Binding of Isaac questions. Um, I really like the narrative context in that first game. Oh, my God. It's really unsettling. It's like the most disturbing story in a video game. I I really love the implications of that story. Yeah, I mean, it's an abuse narrative. You're a naked little boy 
running through a basement avoiding monsters and his murderous mother. But there's yeah. also a whole different psychological side to it because everything can also be seen as a metaphor. Because Isaac hiding in the chest, hiding in the toy chest, the, the toy chest is at the very center of this narrative. Him hiding in the toy chest is – it could be symbolic of a lot of things. It can be literal. I, I, I like to think it's all completely literal. I it think can be literal. Better. I it think it's way li- creepier if it's symbolic. It oh, could it's be actually, absolutely symbolic. With it being literal, you have a child so scared for his life he locks himself in his toy chest and dies. That, I mean, there is no happy ending to The Binding of Isaac. That's the you know, end of fucking story. But uh-huh. you also got the, the, the metaphorical – implication of what the toy box represents and that is a child that is that 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 his circumstances in his life i won't go into all of them because i think that you know the the narrative is worth checking out for yourself even if it's kind of vague and they only give it to you in little snippets but the metaphorical implications of the toy you know the the, the toy chest is a child feeling so irredeemably sinful by his situation that he locks himself into a mental box to just be, you know, accept that this is what he is, you know, and finding no ways to redeem himself. This is his only choice. You know, that's why it just tears apart his body though for the, every game. Yeah. With all the upgrades. Yeah. And, and that's just, I, I think that like the way that that narrative is handled and the way that it's been, you know, kind of, interpreted over time and also just you know even taken at face value it's a really strong story it says a lot about not only abuse but how you know religion can affect things and how Mm -hmm. it can affect people especially children um and it's 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 you know it's not the most riveting thing you'll ever see and like i said the game deals in a lot of you know being vague about it but I really just always love the implications of, of that story and how it's handled and just what it it all means and how it can mean something to different people. Um, you know, there are even things that you know people have tied to you know Isaac having gender identity dishes, you know, issues, and a lot of people mm-hmm. can identify with that. And it, it's just. He thought of everything when he put all of that shit together, and there are so many pieces of that puzzle that fit together so perfectly, even when you go theory crafting, that it's hard not to think that he didn't intentionally make it that way. Absolutely. Uh, but and the game is just so much richer for having that stuff there, yeah, and it I mean, makes it – and it contextualizes the art style. It gives kind of a reason for it to be poop gross instead of it just being kind of like a juvenile joke. Yeah, but it can also be enjoyed on that level if you exactly. don't want if you don't want to delve that further into you know it's just a really okay if you want to have a really fun and farty arcade game there you go but you know if mm-hmm. you know but I found myself growing more and more attached to that narrative what it meant like Isaac's struggle whether it was literal whether it was metaphysical you know whatever mm-hmm. um, and yeah that game just uh, that game weird as it is to say that game means a lot to me i really like that game. that's really cool i had a similar experience with mark of the ninja where like you can enjoy that on just like a stealth game level but then just piecing thinking about the narrative was just really stealth rewarding yeah. so <laughs> i love it when a game can be just really really rewarding just on the Im- impulse in the playing it and then that little bit of context can just add so much metal gear 
<laughs> that's a lot of context in those games. Yes. Uh, not quite what that's not quite like Binding of Isaac. So yeah, uh, Binding of Isaac Rebirth is awesome. Rhett, did you have any oh. questions? Yeah, I have, a, I have several questions, actually. Uh, okay, hit me. An- another thing about the story, though, is, like, I never got into Biting of Isaac, but I remember reading a thing about what the other characters you can play as represent. Yeah. And Some it's of like, them, it's oh. pretty literal. Like, they're, yeah. like, biblical names and stuff. But yeah. then, like, characters, like, I think it's Maggie. Is, is a-, a representation of the dead sister. Yeah, like, Oof. it's it's harsh. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, and you have to question, like, okay, like, is it because all of the characters are just Isaac? Yeah, that's playing the thing. It's pretend. Like Isaac in a wig and stuff. Yeah, and it's just like you know and the implications of him putting on the wig to be Maggie. It's just like, oh my god, this is really dark. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, but it's all like just under the surface. It never. It's not like it doesn't throw it in your face. With it. Yeah, yeah, and then there's like twelve endings in the original game or something. Yeah, and there's sixteen and um. Uh, the new one. I haven't unlocked the last one because I am not pro enough to beat Mega Satan yet. <laughs> Mega Satan. There's a Mega Satan. Mega Satan. There's a Mega Satan. Yeah, the, you, that's wonderful. It's and a crazy. Know, I was, I was gonna say. Is... I was gonna say a few minutes ago that the moral of the story is that you should always make a deal with Satan, but I don't think that's literally <laughs> true. This game. <laughs> always make a deal with Satan unless it's Mega Satan because he'll just punch your face off and real quick fashion. I didn't last... Mega Satan. I, I didn't fucking last a minute in that boss fight. Does the game literally call him Mega Satan? Yes, he is literally yes. Mega Satan, and it is <laughs> oh, crazy. Fabulous. It's that's a crazy so boss fight. I got... I only lasted about a minute, and it takes a lot of doing to get to that boss fight, because some of it requires some real luck. <laughs> Uh, you got to get really lucky with item drops in order to get to that final, final, final boss. So are you something. sure that's the final, final, final boss? I'm hoping so. I don't see how things could get much nuttier than him. Like, I what mean, do you, you fight? Out? What do you Meg- fight? Out? What do you do after Mega Satan? Mega Satan two. Well, they do have Monstro two, so why not? Mega last Satan, Galaxy. Mecha, Mecha Satan. You know what? They'll do an expansion, and the last boss will be God. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't that's be surprised. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's where you go direction. after Mega Satan. Because so. the original game had Satan in it, right? Yeah. So this, they had to. Satan is still that. in this one too. Yeah, that, everything from the original game is in this one. So, um, other questions, yeah. Rhett? Uh, so when you talk about the art style, do you mean like the actual art style or the fact that it's like pixelated now? I mean the art style. Uh, it isn't. It's. It's not really the same kind of art style, I don't think. And I don't think that that's just in service of it being pixelated either. Uh, There's just a different kind of tone and depth to the way the game looks that is very unlike the original, even though it still maintains I mean, wasn't, a lot of... Wasn't, wasn't the original made in, like, 90 days or something? Like, yeah. this was made over a much longer Jeez. period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really evocative little art style. I remember seeing some images of it. It did strike me in a way that was really different from the first game. Yeah, so I would definitely say this is definitely a case of it being a different art style, but it definitely calls back to those flash, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, drawing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played enough of either to really see how the art style is different. Cause... It's because you have bad taste. <laughs> and plus the <laughs> fact that it's pixelated now kind of hides that a bit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. There is there is a filter in the game that you can use to make oh, it look terrible and yeah, god awful blur filter do though. That. Don't do yeah. that. 
like you said, makes it look terrible. Like, why it's would you do that? God awful! Don't do it. These, you know, people, the people that put together the sprite art, sprite art, you know, they they spend a lot of goddamn time on it. You can tell with just how animated and crazy everything looks. It's just like, don't fuck it up by using the filter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People go in except, there. Except those. it's weird because there's still like like the ending cutscenes like are not pixelated at all and they look kind of out of out of place. I think. They, Edmund like commented on the, Edmund commented on that by saying that uh, when they redid the cutscenes, they originally started doing them in a pixelated art style, but he just did not think that it looked right. So hmm. they went ahead with a more traditional style uh, for the new cool. cutscene. Just, just seems a little jarring now when you play through the whole thing pixelated and then suddenly it looks like a. Like a flash flash game. (laughs) The thing about the pixelated art style for me, though, is that I don't really think that it looks pixely. Like, a lot of people are saying that... Sometimes it does. Like, it's a little inconsistent. Like, sometimes it looks... Some things look pretty pixely, some things don't. Yeah, I think it depends on the size of the enemy, or the size of whatever it is you happen to be looking at. Um, I think that that's where I notice it the most, is in the smaller enemies where the pixels seem chunkier. Mm. Uh, But in larger... In larger enemies like Gertie, for instance, you know, like I don't yeah. think I don't think Gertie looks quite like a pixelated, you know, Game yeah. Boy Advance sprite. Interesting. One thing that I thought was funny is uh like the notebook kind of endings, like where it's like squiggle vision on paper. Yeah. I think the fact that those are also pixelated is really weird. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> funny. That they did that, that they did that there's really interesting implications about um about those drawings narratively too um because really? like huh. yeah yeah well um well it's not really spoiling anything because like the pixely like the the drawings are uh, they're only in the intro cutscenes and they they say a lot about the narration when you understand that those are isaac's drawings mm-hmm. oh oh i never thought about that way. unreliable narrator that's, that throws a whole new fucking monkey wrench into the into the works. You know, you know, I never even thought that this like has a story before. Yeah, like when you when you watch the <laughs> opening cutscene, the, the the very first thing the narrator talks about is how Isaac liked playing and playing with his toys and making drawings, and all of the opening cutscene where it talks about what's going on in the story and his life. Um, that's all in Isaac's drawing. Hmm. So, so it creates an, another bunch of interesting questions t- on top of the narrative that's already there. Because I was actually what just cool about to game. say earlier that the way oh the God. endings, the the smooth endings that are like flash animated, like those could represent the real world. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. There is one ending, actually, there is one ending that is in Isaac's drawing style. And that's the very huh. first ending that you get for yeah. uh, beating Mom. Mm. Is yeah. it? I don't remember. Yeah. It shows, shows how much, shows how much, how much attention I was paying. Yeah, it's the ending where Mom has him cornered with the knife. Oh, yeah, and doesn't, like, a book fall on her head or and something? Her, and the Bible falls on her head. And, <laughs> and, and it shows and how much that, attention I was paying. I say a book, and then you say the Bible. <laughs> And then yeah. the next drawing is him standing on top of her, smiling. So, yeah. Yeah, that was the ending I saw when Patrick played the game. Yeah. And I yeah. thought it was really funny that it was in Pixel Vision, but I guess there may be narrative reasons for that. 
yeah, it's it it's something to think about, definitely. You know, it's like when I started thinking about it, it was like, wait a minute, you know, like the opening of this game is done like this, but that's the only ending like that, and only the intro is drawn in that style. Hmm. Huh. So it's yeah, it's just and it, the entire game is pixelated. Yeah. And obviously, I don't think Isaac is actually fighting Mega Satan. And no, <laughs> I think I, I do. It's inter- it's like it's it's it's. it's like I said, it's heavily open to interpretation, mm-hmm. and I, I I like it both ways. I definitely like the idea of just like the world being this crazy place where somehow in this kid's basement, Mega Satan lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I no, also no, no 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 he like the basement's only like the first two levels. Then he gets into like caves and stuff. Yeah, then he goes to caves, catacombs, and things like that. You know, but how do you explain going into a womb? I, he kills his mother, goes inside <laughs> her. Oh my god, that's crazy! It's really big in there. Obviously, that's a really big womb. I mean, had have you seen her? There's a, like, there's a, him, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a lot of womb in that womb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I get yeah. it. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that's a short one this week. I, I, I would have like figured out how to make a cricket noise. <laughs> If I'd put any thought into this, I would have done that. It would have been perfect. We could add one in in post. <laughs> I will. There you go. I'll add one in post. Oh, no, then I'm good. Then I'll look like a, a real jerk <laughs> to say that after there's actually a cricket noise. <laughs> okay. So, uh, anything else piqued your interest, Rhett? No. Yeah, I was excited for this game for some reason, and then just seeing the videos, and I'm like, oh, this is the same game like it is a very faithful remake kind of put me off it a bit yeah i mean have have you actually played it before i've played the original i just cannot get into it i would i would say if you get the chance to like try it with a controller because i know i know polly here prefers the keyboard but like i I know i wouldn't enjoy playing it with a keyboard but i like the controller the thing about that game is i don't think that it's an immediate grabber I think that it takes some time to kind of work its magic. That was my um, experience with it. And you know, it took me a while. Like I, I didn't really start getting into. Like I bought it. Took, it, it took short. me a few tries before it, it. Like I'm nowhere near as hooked as you are, but I, I do really like it a lot. And it took me a few times through before it, I, it really got its claws in me. See, I bought the original shortly after it came out. Just didn't do anything for me. Uh, then when the Binding of Patrick videos happened earlier this year, I started playing it again, and I spent a month straight on it. Um, I'm very quickly approaching... Two weeks. I'm very quickly approaching the time that I... Two weeks. The time that I spent playing the original, I'm already approaching my playtime in Rebirth. So yeah, that's basically all i've been playing just a shit ton of the binding of isaac but i know someone else that's been playing the old video games you know who i'm talking about Rhett? it's me no it's not you dumb motherfucker it's john hi hey john so yeah um (laughs) old video games uh i've been watching a bunch of shows by gen urobuchi who writes Japanese cartoons and light novels and visual novels and all sorts of stuff. Okay, um, that's not exactly video games, but we'll go with it. Oh my god. Alright, so the first thing was a show adapted from a light novel by Gen Urobochi called Fate Zero. And I just watched that through in like three days because it's 
really, really kind of one of those kind of just pushes you along shows. Rhett it's told a- me that it sucked. No, oh, really, <laughs> Rhett? This is yeah. one of my favorites. This was number one on my 2013 list. I really like this show. It's just action movie that just happens to last like eight hours. It's really enjoyable to watch. It just keeps kind of flowing, and the second and the second half gets really kind of heady in a cool Urobuchi way. If you didn't know, Gen Urobuchi did Mahou Shoujo Madoka Magica, mm-hmm. which, which was is a really great, really great cool little show. Cartoon. I really like Madoka. Um, and all of the shows have these characters who like represent these different ideologies basically. And they just clash together the whole show in really cool ways. And fate zero is just that. And like, nothing happy is ever going to come no. from any of this. Oh. All right. Okay. So now let's do the list of, um, cause more than any of the, any other show I'm, I've talked about, um, fate zero is like, has a bunch of caveats to it. So I'm going to just list those off now. Um, the first episode is 45 minutes long, and it's all exposition. Oh. It's just n- barely anything happens. It's just people kind of setting things up. Yeah, um, but after that, it goes. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm giving the list of caveats <laughs> here. In, this, in the context of this is a really good show that I like a lot, these are some things you should know so that you yeah. are don't get put off. Um, it's... Really, really dark. The only thing, the main thing that actually happens, like visually, is that it introduces the rape worms. Oh, the rape worm pit. Yeah. That's um lovely image. Yeah, no, it's pretty awful. I think that's a big thing in the um in the original visual novel. It's pretty downplayed in Fate Zero, but it's the first like big, violent, awful thing that they show in that show. So it's kind of striking and ugh, and it doesn't turn out well either. Really. Mm. No. Huh. How, yeah. With a name like that, who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, yeah, I think that's a big thing in the Fate Stay Night visual novel, which, I, as I understand it, is terrible, right? Yes. It's, good, good. Yeah, yeah that, that whole show just feels like... And Tsukihime pre- is garbage as well. Mm, yeah. Like, it seems like it takes all, like, the um, really, like, exploity... It takes all those contexts, all those ideas that can be kind of exploitative and, like, plays them up that way and the original stuff. And Fate Zero is a lot more restrained, thankfully. But it still has, because it's part of that universe, it still has those things. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's something to know about is that's in the show. Um, it's really kind of statically directed. I, it, I feel like 90% of what makes it compelling is the... Um, Material adapted from the novel and, and the action scenes are really interesting, are really fun to watch. Um, and aside from that, it's just flows really well from start to finish, and it has some really, really, really great character writing, and I really, really like it a lot. Um, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah you should watch it. Yeah, Some it's people, good. I really like really oh, and, like it. <laughs> and one of the characters, Saber, apparently has her story continue into the um next show, which is the Bad Fate Stay Night, which I'm not gonna care about. Yeah. And so her arc doesn't really complete at the end of Fate Zero. But there's a number of characters whose arc winds down in really, really clever ways. Like the main character basically his whole ideology is needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So he's basically, Mr. Spock. 
Yeah, he's a utilitarianist, basically. And the show pushes him to, like, the maximum level of what that ideology means and is testing it and breaking it until at the end of the show, like, the thing that actually is rewarding is when he finally just, like, saves one person and it means more than anything else he's done. That seems like the kind of thing that would be a spoiler that you wouldn't want to tell people. (laughs) (laughs) No, I knew about that going in, and that kind of helped me contextualize I've literally never heard of any of this before. Okay. So, yeah. That moment happens so suddenly and weirdly at the end. It's not a huge deal, honestly. Oh, yeah. But it's a good climax to his arc, and I think knowing about it, knowing about it in advance for me kind of was really interesting watching his character progress in the second half. Um, yeah, I think that's a really solid show. And I went from that to uh, straight oh, from I, that. Yeah. Can I oh, say yeah, more about Fate Zero? Sure. Uh, one other caveat I would say about the show is that it is a prequel to Fate Stay Night. So, like you said, some of the character arcs and just the last episode in general kind of has the problem where it's and, putting pieces in place to yeah, ensure exactly. connectivity to... And then those stories go to absolute dog shit and yeah. fake stay night. Because yeah, that exactly. show and that visual novel are fucking dreadful. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like John said, like there are a lot of major characters whose arcs resolve wonderfully. I won't mm-hmm. name characters or anything. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about this show earlier, because John was watching it again, and it's almost like this is the same guy who wrote Madoka, and I think Fate Zero is almost like it's a show where everyone in the, is Sayaka from Madoka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all characters with really strong I- ideologies being broken. Yeah, it's just <laughs> just continuously being browbeaten until you fucking choke on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but instead of just one character getting the brunt of it, it's like literally everyone in the entire show. Mm-hmm. gets destroyed by their ideas. Except ideals. for the one person who's just completely apathetic and doesn't believe in anything. And he's yeah. the one who gets rewarded. And he's the most evil character in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Yep. That's not cynical but even at his, all. Even it's his art is like, when he realizes how evil he is inside, <laughs> is a funny moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I wanted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's he, great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was describing the show to Anna, and she took a bunch of philosophy courses. And she said, John, this sounds like Ethics 101, the show. <laughs> because every character is just this really clearly defined, has archetype. this really archetype, so ethical ethics frame. and anime? Yes. Yeah. It's about ethics and life. It's about ethics and anime journalism. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other big villain is the, um, is, uh, the guy who solely is about seeking pleasure for himself and there's a specific hedonism so there's the hedonist villain and there's the apathetic villain do you mean the guy in like the first half no oh no i don't mean the serial child murderer oh um whoops (laughs) oh yeah that's a thing um that is they yeah (laughs) a lot of really good people in this show it sounds like. oh yeah Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people who believe very strongly in things, and like child murder. <laughs> who doesn't believe strongly in child oh my God. murder? It's it's so funny. These two child serial killers. Funny. These two serial killers. One of them's like a magical witch, and the other is As a serial killer. As opposed to a non-magical witch. 
And <laughs> they just are so funny talking to each other because they understand each other really well and they talk about like God and religion and the nature of life in these really energetic, funny ways right after like killing children. Yes, yeah, it's funny. really darkly comic in this awful way. It does and, sound like a dark comedy. Indeed. Oh my god. It's a weird show. Um, it goes really, really dark in ways that some people might find kind of maybe unnecessary or exploitative. Yeah. And um, it, it's the Urobuchi thing where everyone is an idea, is an archetype, is an ideology. And I think that's okay. I like that in his writing. But it means at least lots of monologues about motivations and stuff, which I think is fine. But it's just kind of his writing style. And... And it's also just got some really great action scenes. Oh like, yeah, the, I there's mean, the, something for the, the common man to enjoy. That's true. It, it kind of reminded me of Full Metal Alchemist and in how it created these really elaborate rules for this yeah. world, and then uses those to really clever effect in creating these amazing set pieces. So it's just it's a bunch of great action. Like Sounds some of the good. fights will go on for like three episodes. <laughs> I might watch it someday. Cool. Yeah, knowing about the dark stuff, knowing about the weird ending, knowing about the weird beginning, um, knowing about the direction. <laughs> it's really good. And is that everything we wanted to say about Fate Zero? I think so, yeah. Cool. And then I went straight from that into Psychopaths, which it was weird because like going straight to that, made me like Fate Zero less because <laughs> everything that I like every the things that are kind of fade into the background for me about Fate Zero that it, that were weird to me like the the kind of talking heads direction mm-hmm. and um just the kind of really big um maybe dipping into kind of melodramaticness of how the characters interact and such and Psychopaths is so completely interesting to look at all the time and its characters feel a lot more like real people and going straight into that was really cool. It's this weird fake, it's this dystopian future police procedural. And I was really worried that it was just going to be a police procedural, that they just established this world and then just have like crime scene investigations in it. And then that would be the whole show. But they push the boundaries of the world like as far as they can go and really explore everything about it. Oh, I should tell you what it's, what the world is. Um, in the world of Psychopaths, it's a big city in Japan, or all of Japan. And everything is ruled over by this computer system that um, can read people's minds and determine how likely they are to commit crimes. And oh. based oh, on... I've heard of this. Yeah, and based on that, it um, arrests people who are certain likelihood of committing crimes. It sounds like Demolition Man, I think. Cool, or, or like kind of like Minority yeah, Report. That's the one I'm thinking of. <clears throat> yeah, Minority uh-huh. Report. Yeah, Why exactly. I think Demolition Man. What the fuck? <laughs> Why wouldn't you think Demolition Man? I'm always Another thinking about person. it. <clears throat> so they have this girl Akane who's. A plus student right out of school going into the force and she is ruling over these um, people with really high crime coefficients who have decided to work with the police 
and they're not allowed outside of the police office. They're basically criminal. They're basically prisoners who are trotted out to catch other potential criminals. Huh. And criminal cops. Exactly. That's that's part of the whole thing of the show is that the system is so sociopathic and weird that it needs it it has to use people who kind of have that sociopathic quality to them to yeah I mean, if enforce the system. system yeah if you're gonna build a system like that you need you know you know like mm-hmm. the, the bar with which this is measured mm-hmm. and the computer system is called the Sybil system and it pushes that conceit as far as it can go in revealing like the nature of the Sybil system and how all of that world functions and it has this criminal cop um, or almost criminal cop who um, is gets really into these cases and became, and because he got so sucked into trying to solve the serial murder, his crime coefficient went way up getting into the mind of the criminals. And he ended up being imprisoned in the police station hmm. And that's he's unfortunate. <laughs> I know. And that happened. That's like a regular thing for police officers is that they'll get so sucked into the having to think like criminals makes them more susceptible to high crime coefficients. And um, so and then she, he contrasts with Akane, the main character. And then there's this really awful kind of Moriarty villain who contrasts completely with the two main characters and there's a really haunting scene halfway through the show that draws that line clearly in the sand. And it's just a big back and forth monologue between these two characters about motivations, but in the context of this really awful scenario. And it like Anna, Anna watched all of Psychopaths with me, and we had to turn off turn it off right then because it was just really kind of horrifying, huh? In this like deep moral way, or amoral, or amoral. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is that this guy is actually immune to having his mind read by the civil system, and he's the one of the only, one of very few people who that's true of. So, a whole bunch of the show revolves around that conflict. Their guns, all the police officers' guns, are attached to the civil system, and you can't shoot people unless the gun turns off if their crime coefficient is at a certain level, and if it goes higher, then it goes into stun mode, and if it goes higher than that then it goes into kill mode where they're just exploded. Guns of the Patriots. Exactly. Exactly. Nano machines. So they do some really cool things with that. And a big chunk of it is this conflict (laughs) with with order and anarchy and what this system means and what it's used for. And the fact that the show ultimately kind of comes on the side of order is part of what makes it really interesting to me. It's not just kind of like, fuck the man. It's a little more nuanced than that. Hmm. So does the show have a good ending? Yes. It's a very good ending. Because one thing that's kind of putting me off right now is that there's actually a second season right now. And I've heard a lot of people say it doesn't seem like a show that really needed a... Um, I don't think it, it doesn't need a second season. The second season isn't being written by Gen Urobuchi. Oh. And from what I hear, it's not great. It's kind of dumb. Oh, so I had I'm no just idea. kind of ignoring it. I had no idea he wasn't even on it anymore. Yeah, the show comes full circle by the end. It's complete. And yeah, you can just ignore it as a, enjoy it as a standalone thing, which makes it much, much, much more accessible than Fate Zero. And it's also yeah. really enjoyable <laughs> from the start. 
Okay, that's. I will give this a shot someday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like cool. Polly will eventually. Yes, probably. Yeah, I'm getting right on it. Trust me. And I'm like Fate, and like Fate Zero, it might rely a little too much on sexual violence as like a um, kind of a shock tool. Uh, um, it does that in the very the for, the very worst example is in the very first episode. Oh, great. and then it kind of. <laughs> Because goes, it always is. I mean, yeah. like, we start with rape worms, and yeah, exactly. Why not start so, with some violent sexual assault for our other show? Yeah. So I've heard people actually bring that up as big criticism of Rubuchi in general, and apparently he got started writing hentai visual novels. So, oh, I, I guess. guess then it's not that surprising. I mean, yeah, par for the course in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, Japan. Keeping in <laughs> mind that the gender stuff might be a little weird for both of those shows. Which is unfortunate coming off of Madoka, which is so just nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I saw some stuff this week on Twitter where people are saying, like, Madoka was actually extremely misogynistic in its writing, and it just happened to in come that off it, as um, feminist. In that it punishes girls for having desires was the lo- reasoning yeah. I heard. Yeah. And people I, were calling Fate Zero and his other works misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Well, I can maybe see that in um. Fate I, I think an like, argument can be made for that, really. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely see it. Because I know Monica was not just him; it was also Shinbo doing the directing, who also does uh, Hitamari sketch the anime. <laughs> I specifically <laughs> so remember there's some sh- quote of him saying, "Like, can we bring Sayaka back at the end?" And Irobuchi was like, "No." <sighs> God, that's so he, funny. He really well, wanted yeah, they, her to be punished. Couldn't. Yeah. Um, there is that funny thing where they re- where the show rewrites history in such a way that all of the most important things in history have been created by yeah. really powerful pre- uh, teenage girls, yeah. which I think is really nice. <laughs> it's so weird how people have read that scene both ways, though, saying like, it devalues women by saying that they had magical powers. Eh. Yeah. I guess it's this idea that women, like, the show is constantly punishing women, making them sacrifice themselves for their desires, which, I yeah, I can see something like that being... I think think that that's that's a valid read of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in light of Urupuchi's other work. Yeah, I mean, I I love the show, but I can can still see that as a fault, because Mm -hmm. that's pretty plain as day. Yeah, every everybody is punished for all of the cast are girls, and they're all punished <laughs> consistently for wanting things. Yeah, I mean, and then that's it, just real life. People get punished for having desires regardless of gender. Yeah, it's which just is funny that- which is why I can still enjoy it. I think it's just kind of deliberately plotted tragically for every character. Yeah, but it I can see that something. as a valid criticism. It ended up being something girls can relate to because. Mm-hmm. Of society, and mm-hmm. I think it's just a really good piece of like tragic tragedy plotting that yeah. happens to have kind of a happy, uplifting ending. Ultimately, that no, I think I, little girls. I think I tried watching an episode of that when someone suggested it to me, but it was it's too, not it was, a show. It was too anime <laughs> for me. You can't get everything that like that show doesn't start until the end of episode three. It was it's, too. It was too true. anime for because me. that that show is trying to do something. Uh, it's trying to subvert the whole idea of the magical girl genre, and to do that, it starts off doing so by being a magical girl show. See, see, even the part where it was an anime about like middle school girls was too much for me. 
Like that well, was too. If, if that's too, too much, then whatevs. Um, I guess yeah. that that was actually the big thing going from Fate Zero to Psychopaths. It was like, oh yeah, that, Fate Zero is really really anime. <laughs> I that's what I liked about Psychopaths. Yeah, like, exactly. Shows I about change, a, change that. Shows about adults are are tragically rare. You know, like I think you know shows like Ghost in the Shell. Um, and I'm trying to think of more. Um, uh, but Paranoia Agent. Oh yeah. Or basically, even, basically even any of Satoshi Kon's work would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely thought a lot of Satoshi Kon while watching Psychopaths, and I thought a lot of Ghost in the Shell. I need to go back to Standalone Complex. I think I probably, I think Psychopaths probably resonated with me a little more mm. than Standalone Complex, which is well, a really think- good show. Well, I think there, there's a lot of parallel points. It's probably because standalone complex is a little more hands off with a lot of the themes that uh, Psychopath seems to present. Like it doesn't really try to go and knock those points out of the ballpark in a way that Psychopath sounds like it does. Yeah, like Psychopath just pushes like to the very edge of its universe. I feel yeah. like yeah, Whereas, Ghost in the Shell does yeah. not do that. No. No, and they're just different stories, so I can yeah. And, and Ghost in the Shell, you know, for, for both standalone complex uh, seasons, you know, half of each season, you know, is you know uh, a standalone po- procedural episode. Standalone procedural episode, and they're good. They have their own great themes, but there is no unifying core on all of those themes, which it sounds like Psychopaths tries to do more. Absolutely. So, anything else on? Um Anime Urubuchi? Um, okay, so now we're going into the really good section. I basically last like month was divided into two two week chunks, where the first month first two weeks was spent with Urubuchi and anime and wonderfulness, <laughs> and the second month was spent with a little Japanese game designer named Akitoshi Kawazu. Oh, and- wait, 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 wait! Oh, Kawazu! Oh, God damn you! I knew it. <laughs> Well, Kawazu was one of the lead battle designers in the original Final Fantasy. So he was one of the people establishing that franchise's identity from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And he went on to be the main designer in the sequel, in the very unforgiving sequel, which is beloved by Japanese audiences, according to the Famitsu poll. And Square likes this guy enough, because uh, they like this guy enough that we're like, you know... Uh, we, we, we like you, and you gave us Final Fantasy and everything, but why don't you go do your own thing in this little corner over here, and you mm-hmm. just, you just leave he, Final Fantasy alone. He does not make games that are for a general audience. Like, Dragon Quest <laughs> games are designed to be very accessible in comparison, and then, like, you go straight from Dragon Quest to Final Fantasy 1, and Final Fantasy 1 is really harsh. Yes. Like, the Marsh Cave, the first real dungeon, is this really rough crawl down... And when you die, you lose all your progress before the last save point, all your experience, instead of just respawning with half your money and all your experience, like in Dragon Quest. It's just straight uh, up, nope. Yeah, <laughs> All you're gone, son. Dead. Do it again. And then in Final Fantasy 1, so that game's really unforgiving, but you can still grind. Always yep. you have that option, and you can succeed that way. And he decided, Kawazu, in order to make kind of like the Lost, lost Levels type sequel to Final Fantasy 1, he decided to push it even further and make a kind of game where you can irrevocably fuck up your file forever by the end dungeon and find yourself just like with a game that's impossible to win by making enemies get stronger with you as you level up your stats so that if you level up your stats in a shitty way, 
they will just cream you every time. Yep. And that's Final Fantasy 2. Um, and he <laughs> and that's went not to, even mentioning the dumb shit about beating up your own party members to level up. That's true. It's also There's also a lot of like weird grinding in Final Fantasy 2, and I haven't actually played it much. Don't. Um, it's not fun. I'm, Wait, I'm probably not going to. And there's a lot of grinding in that game, and it's really slow and long and blah, 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 whatever. So then he went straight from Final Fantasy 2, kind of his test run for his true vision, and made the game that I played this week, um, Final uh, Saga, or Final Fantasy Legend, as it was released in the States. I own this game. Have you played it? I've played it. I didn't much care for it. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Uh, a couple friends on the forum decided to say, let's play watch play um, Final Fantasy Legend. And I joined in. Um, and I was like, why not? I've, been, I've heard some cool people say they like Saga. So for the, for the longest time, I've just written off the series because um, a couple of people I knew didn't like it. Um, so I finally heard some really cool people say some nice things about it. And, I, and it had been on my radar for a while. And what with my friend going, let's play Final Fantasy Legend. I was like, sure thing. So then I played it, and then like five days later, I'd beaten it, and I think that game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, so the Final Fantasy Legend, you've got, um, okay, basic rundown of the mechanics, you've got like three different types of party members, and all of them progress and get stronger in completely different ways. It's like, you know how in a normal RPG, there's one method of progression, like they level up with experience points, or they use a sphere grid. Imagine like three different kinds of those systems and none of them are just leveling up. The humans gain stats by buying them in stores. Um, the mutants just do whatever the fuck they want. They will, you end a battle and their stats change somehow. They gain and lose abilities. Sometimes they will like lose the ability to cure magic and gain a weakness to ice. What you, the fuck? Whatever the fuck. <laughs> just random shit. <laughs> It's just random shit. Um, mutants tend to be strongest at the beginning, and then humans tend to be strongest at the end. And then there's monsters, which change by eating the meat of other monsters and transmogrify into other monsters based on like this really arcane set of tables that you are completely invisible to the player, but people online have pieced them together, and the logic of it is insane. Like I have no chance of parsing it. So as, for the co- if you're just playing it casually, then... Monsters eat meat and then transform into totally random shit. And they can get weaker or stronger or stay the same, might do nothing. You don't know. Um, which is kind of a theme in Kawazu's games is that you there's don't a know. bunch of random ass shit that's killing you and a bunch of random ass shit happening to you. And there's no real way to make sense of it unless you're really hardcore and have game facts um, and have game facts. You need both qualities. I um, I played most of the Final Fantasy Legend, um, just having a basic outline of the mechanics from like an, a starter guide, knowing how the characters leveled up, knowing that if they die three times, then that character is permanently dead forever. Oh yeah, that that's a oh thing. that's a lovely thing. Yeah, that's the thing. You can so buy you hearts. Just, yeah. Are you just fucked if that happens? Because then you only have three party members. No, you can. There's guilds in every town where you can um, obtain new people. Oh. Get new party members at the base level, and then you get to level them back up again. Oh Jesus! Fuck! Fuck you, Kawazu. Um, you can save the game anywhere at any time, which is great because it means that you can like 
try your save best. Save scum it. it. <laughs> you can save scum it, except it's bad because you can save yourselves in unwinnable situations. Like, <laughs> um, I saved after putting all of the armor on this statue, and I didn't know that right after that the boss was going to attack me. And then I saved, and then the boss attacked me. Luckily, I had enough, like, cure stuff, and my HP was okay, that I was able to beat the boss okay. If not, would have been fucked. It's like... <laughs> um, so that is a basic rundown on the mechanical identity of the Final Fantasy legend. Um, it's a very hardcore-type RPG experience, and the fact that you can... There's always the risk of irrevocably fucking up everything forever... Um, makes it a very, very tense game. And luckily, all of the um, all the things I mentioned are avoidable, and you can basically learn how to avoid them in the very first world, where I restarted the game three times in the first um, like hour, basically. And after that, I didn't have to do it again, and I basically never died, because I was just being very careful about how I progressed, being very careful about when I saved in dungeons, because I didn't want to save myself into a situation where I couldn't walk out of the dungeon. Because if you die, you just go back to your last save point with identical resources. That doesn't help you much. No. So all of this stuff is completely manageable if you understand what's going on. As long as you are aware that this is the kind of game where being dumb will fuck you up, then you can just not be dumb, and it works out. But is it being dumb when like your espers just randomly change their stats after a battle? Well, if you know that happens, then you can plan for that to happen. But how, do you, but how are you going? You're only <laughs> yeah. going to know this if you have a fact or if you're just fucking up and having to start over. That doesn't sound like ingenious design. It sounds terrible. Well, it'll have all of the stuff you learn in the first world, and that's only like the first hour of the game. So you can keep restarting it if you're a little kid trying to figure this shit out, and that's fine. You just restart until you kind of have a basic idea of what you want, and then by the second and third worlds out of four. I felt like a king. I knew I was just doing the symphony of stats. Just, I felt like the game was dancing to my whims. Let me get out my symphony of spreadsheets. If it's just truly random, though, I just don't see how you can plan for that. Like, oh, my main healer lost his cure spell. Whoops. You just have to plan for the eventuality but that how your you healer will that? stop. You just make it so that if your healer loses their heal spell, you're not fucked. Whoa. Pack extra healing Five items. Okay, yeah, so they're healing items. Yeah, they're healing items. So you can always plan for shitty things that'll happen because it teaches them you at basically the start of the game, and then you just have to go through the game knowing that that can happen at any time. And in that context, it's actually fairly forgiving because there's a lot of really broken things, like bosses. There's almost always a way to insta kill bosses if you have the right items. Um, boss, your you can break your characters pretty easily. Like the mutants, especially, get really strong really early on. So it doesn't get really hard until the very end, and by that point, you've had a lot of experience with it. And the cool thing is that um, you by the third world, you should basically know what you're doing, and then the fourth world, you walk outside and you get attacked by the phoenix boss, the boss of the whole world, and it's invincible, and the only thing you can do is run away. And all of the random encounters on this overworld are with this boss, where you only run away. And then you get a motorcycle, which lets you actually move around, but it's still chasing you. So I'm playing a Game Boy game where I'm riding around post-apocalyptic Tokyo, being chased by a phoenix shooting fire at me, and barely getting away on the skin of my teeth. 
That's pretty fucking cool. Crazy. You're you're nuts. <laughs> and so you, by the finally finally you get confident, and then the game just throws this monkey wrench of oh no, here's an invincible enemy, and um, then the whole the last dungeon of that world, the fourth world, is just fucking nuts. Like it's like a nightmare I would have after playing Pokemon a lot as a kid. Like suddenly you'll walk into a room where all the walls are doors and you just need to walk into all the doors to see where, which leads places. And then you'll walk into a room where the floor is all stairs, but most of them aren't real stairs. That doesn't sound like good design. That sounds like like absolutely fucking terrible design set to be monotonous for the point (laughs) of being monotonous. All right. There's not that many doors. It takes about a minute. It takes about a minute to walk through all of them. And the stairs are, um, on a basically linear path. So you get to the end and that's the real stairs. Really, it's just like this glitchy nightmare world. Yeah, I think that's, that's cool. Kind of simulating exactly. glitching and things like, going wrong. Well, I can like dig I, it in that context. But. Exactly. Because it's never, there's no monotony. There's no grinding even because you can fuck yourself up. You, because, oh, and there's um, all the weapons are have a limited durability. You yep. use them a certain number of times <laughs> and then they break. I forgot yep. to mention that. So yeah, let's say that no- you have let's say that you have a sword that costs ten thousand gold pieces and it has fifty uses. That means every use of that sword costs two hundred gold pieces. Let's say that you're fighting enemies that give four hundred gold pieces when you kill them, and it takes and it takes three hits to kill them. Then you're losing money grinding on those guys. Oh, so you have to be smart about oh, how you approach grinding. God. So yeah. I just didn't grind. I just kind of went through hoping for the best the whole game. <laughs> There's no grinding because um, the stats are random. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's an 80, 1989 RPG with no grinding that's still incredibly tense. That's pretty fucking impressive to me. It's something um, already right. for the wrong reasons. Yeah, just okay. Wow. I, I'll say I'll say right now. Um, this game actually isn't like a mechanically satisfying challenge. I don't think. But I'll tell you. I'll kind of bring it all together in a bit. Um. But, like, I remember I had these vague memories of playing the first Dragon Quest and having the whole world kind of spaz out in the last dungeon, like, tiles being kind of intermittently about as you were approaching the last boss. Mm-hmm. And then I replayed it or re- looked at a map, and none of that was true. It was just a walk through the castle. So maybe I dreamed that or something else. And I was so disappointed because I had this brilliant vision of this, like, weird falling to pieces right before the climax. And then Final Fantasy Legend is that game. It's just falling apart at the seams. It, it, you're like holding this mess of a game in your hands. <laughs> and sounds, uh, sounds lovely. It's like the mean, glit- there's the glitch room in Fez. Yeah. And it's so like atmospheric and there are dead kids in the game. <laughs> What? Oh, what a great theme this week. Yeah, there's a lot of dead children and... It's a 1989 RPG that a lot of kids must have been playing, and you walk into a room, and it says, this child looks dead. And it turns out that that child was dead. And you see the parent in the corner saying, well, we ran out of food. I hope things work. I'm praying for my children. I'm dying now. I'm praying to the creator. And then you get to the end of the game, and it's God. Um, If that's a famous thing about the game, as the end, you fight God. Mm -hmm. And... It turns out that he had created this whole nightmare world as a weird test for humanity. And 
See, I so, love that idea. I just, so that. the 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 parents were praying to the creature that caused oh. their children's deaths, and you walk in and the kids are dead. And then you walk up, and then you get to the very end. You fight a fight a boss named Ashura, who had created the four other demons. And then right after Ashura, you hit a, um, the whole game. You're climbing up this tower, and it always tells you the highest floor you've reached on your menu. So it's kind of like a constant measure of progress. And every five floors or so, it opens into a new world. And you walk out of the tower, and it's, the whole tower is standing right there, but it's a different planet. <laughs> so it's this weird like conceit as you're ascending this tower and um, you have to beat each of the four fiends at each level. And then you get to the end and beat the boss of the four fiends and kill it. And then you fall back down to the start and then walk all the way around the outside of the tower. Like the last dungeon is like racing up to the top on like an escalator and you fight zombie versions of the four fiends. And then you reach the top and it's this guy who's been following you the whole game, like G man giving you hints and right at the bottom you meet him again, and, so, and it ends with your character going like, who are you? And it's super eerie, because you don't know who this hat guy is. And then you get to the top, and then he says, oh, hey, I'm the person who created this world. It was kind of like a game. So it's also this weird, like, meta-fictional element. See, so I like, like the idea of this game and the story and everything. It just sounds like the playing it part is dreadful. So well, the last boss like, is Kwazu? The last boss is Kwazu. The last boss is also <laughs> God. So it like has this super weird meta reading and a super like religious angst reading that are both equally valid. And then you walk behind God at the end and there's a door and your characters go, you know what? Let's not go through that door. And then they go back to their world. What? And then it, and then it <laughs> Wow. Because what they the can't, fuck? they can't leave the world that leads back to Kwazu's world and they can't pass over that threshold. I ripped this straight from freezing Inferno's blog. Um, Nintendo Project Resume, that was his kind of realization thematically. And they leave and go back down to the world, and there's no credits because apparently they ran out of time to translate the credits. <laughs> and it's just still pictures that hold for like 30 seconds at a time with no words on them. And then it ends. Man. <laughs> so, the fact that I don't think that the dead kids or the Kwazu thing would work if the game wasn't so messy already... Because I think that that would just feel completely out of place. Like, oh my god, what is in the, this? Is this doesn't make sense? This RPG is just being dark for being exploitative and dumb. And then, but because the game is already so creepy and messy, and it's kind of spent a long time building towards like that. There's a little bit of hint of that in the first world, a little hint of it in the second world, a good bit of it in the third world. Fourth world's fucking desolate, and then dead kids, God. Um. So it just builds throughout this whole game. And the fact that it just feels like it's coming apart of the seams adds so much to that. So it's not a satisfying gameplay challenge Mm -hmm. um, because it's too messy for that to work. Um, But it is this really interesting art piece. This hellish nightmare straight out of my childhood brain. And I love it for that. Oof. And it's only like 10 hours long, and I beat it on my first try without like being too much at risk of fucking up. So I don't think it's harsh as harsh as Dragon Quarter. It's more like probably like Resident Evil in that sense. You just have to be aware. An interesting uh, parallel to make. <laughs> well, they're all games where you can, that are tense because you can fuck it up. 
you can reach the end and then be like, well, shit. And I think Saga's an interesting predecessor in that regard. I think it's interesting. Uh, It's not my cup of tea for sure. Um, I can definitely see how it would be yours. (laughs) I will just admire from a distance. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I've done a pretty good job kind of explaining why that this is compelling to me, even if it's it's, not satisfying to play. It's it's a... I totally get why it's compelling to you. Mm-hmm. It's just the, when I put it into context of what I want to do with my time these days. No that's thanks. pretty fair. Yeah. The fact that it's eight hours or ten hours long makes all the difference into the world for me. Yeah, if it was a like a 40-hour game, then it would – no, I would not be up for that. Yeah, if you could fuck up permanently in a 40-hour game, that would just be completely unreasonable. Which, you know, is probably what the other soccer games are like. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Like, I haven't played Saga Frontier or Romancing Saga or any of those yet, so I'm, I'm kind of excited. Garbage, 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 <laughs> garbage. Really excited. Oh, my God. I put Saga Frontier on the best games of all time that I haven't played. List. Oh, my God. So I'm Monster. pretty excited. Everyone hates that one. Really? No, people love it. Maddie Bryce said it was one of her favorite. It was her favorite game of all time, tied with Final Fantasy Tactics on Twitter. So, wow. Frontier? Yeah. The PlayStation one? Saga Frontier. I must have missed something because that game's just a fucking steaming pile. Well, I will. Isn't that the check one? That's the one Saga that you Fr- put on your list, yeah. Your worst but games of all like time list. The first one that actually came to America with the name Saga on it. Yeah. Yes. And they chose, like, the worst possible one to introduce that brand to America. Oh, yeah. no. The worst one would have been Unlimited Saga, which sounds amazing. <laughs> um,. Basic. All right, I'm just going to do a very quick rundown. In Unlimited Saga, in order to everything is on a grid. Dungeons are all on a grid, and doing anything requires turns, and you have a limited number of turns to beat the very long dungeons. Not only that, but doing anything also requires rolling this wheel, which is basically a dice (laughs) that determines whether or not you're successful, including like opening chests. Oh yeah, opening doors, fighting, hitting enemies. Anything requires a roll of the dice. And every time you screw up, it's a lost turn. And any time you lose a turn, it's this horrible, possible failing at the end, near the end of the dungeon. You could just run out of turns and have to restart from the beginning. That doesn't sound unlimited to me. That is yeah. the that is the saga <laughs> game that is too Kowazu for Kowazu fans, and it sounds amazing. What platform is that on? PS2. PS2. Oh, mm-hmm. Romancing Saga on PS2 is supposedly the best one. Um, is that a remake of the SNES one? Apparently, yeah, like loosely. Um, so yeah, that's Saga 1. It's a very solid like beginning. It's it's not really a solid set of mechanics, but it's a very interesting art piece, I think. Mm. And I didn't just play Saga 1 from start to finish. Oh no, why would you do that? Why, yeah. I went straight from Saga 1 and started Saga 2, Final Fantasy Legend 2, and I just beat that today. Oh, boy. Okay. That game tell is me, good, tell, tell me about me some systems. All right. Basically all the same, except it's more forgiving. Um, oh. Well, they added um, three save slots, so you can, like, save scum your way through a dungeon, but plop a save at the start of the dungeon, too, so that if you fuck up in the dungeon, you can revert back. Um, well, I use that. This sounding good. <laughs> I know, right? Ugh. Um... <laughs> Instead of dying, your characters come back with one HP after battle, Chrono Trigger style. And not only that, but if you die in the battle, then you respawn in front of Odin in Valhalla. And he says, I will bring you back to life as long as you promise to fight me one day. 
and then he just puts you at the start of the battle with all your resources back, and you can oh. run away. Um, oh, well, that's, that's convenient. Yeah, so it's much, much more forgiving. You get these things called magi, which are like materia, kind of. You can equip them on people to make them way stronger. You get fifth characters who join you periodically that um, are very strong, usually. Um, it's still divided into like 10 different worlds, a lot like the structurally, it's a lot like Final Fantasy Legend 1. Um, and it's limited into a certain number of vignettes. Um, the storyline is a lot more traditional and less like completely bonkers out there, like Final Fantasy Legend 1. It sounds like somebody got a hold of him in a boardroom and was just like, you need to dial this shit back a little bit, dude. Kinda, except it also just feels a lot like a refinement of all the ideas in Final Fantasy Legend 1, in that in making that game make sense mechanically, they kinda had to dial back the nightmarishness of it for it to really work. Um, because it, it feels more like, it feels more approachable, it feels more manageable, so right. having Dead Kid Room doesn't make as much sense in that <laughs> context. Um, and, I, and I like it for that. Um, all those little vignettes are really interesting. Um, there's one, the most ha- the best story moment is um, you're in this world, the world of Venus, where it's a walled city, and only beautiful things and people are allowed in the city. And this woman, her fiancé, breaks his leg and wounds it permanently, and he is exiled from the city. And um, That's a bummer. And, she, and Venus forces her to marry someone else. And... In the wedding, the man bursts in, the exiled man bursts in and attacks Venus, and she casually just knocks him to the side and is about to kill him when she runs in front of, when the woman runs in front of him and says, no! And Venus is like, you dare defy me? And she just says, exile, please, please spare him. Uh, exile me too, I'll go out with him. She goes, I, you can't, I can't do that. So then the girl takes the guy's knife and cuts her face with it. Like, scars herself. That's one way to go about it. And she says, there, now you have to exile me. And then Venus is like, or I could fucking kill you. And then your party members jump in and go, or I could uh. fucking kill you. And you kill them, and then they leave together, and she, and then they fall in love. And um, it's all really nice, actually. But just the harshness of the text box saying... Sarah cut into her face with the knife <laughs> in this little dopey Game Boy game was really right. cool and intense. <laughs> and um, it's really cool. So it's all more restrained and less like completely bonkers than the first game, which makes sense. And by the end of the game, though, the longest and harshest dungeon in the game comes shortly before the end, and it's completely optional, which is cool. Because it has, like, the strongest weapons in the game, too. So you want to go down to the bottom if you want to really stand a chance against the enemies unless you're already, like, gaming the system. And the last, like, two, three hours of that game um, were some of the most intense, satisfying challenge I've ever experienced in an RPG outside of Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which gave me the exact same feelings. Um, Because I was just moving towards this end just dreading every moment, every ra- and the, they take away all of your safety nets one by one. You kill Odin, and suddenly you can't respawn after fights anymore. It just spits you back at the last save point. Hmm. So they that's tweak- really clever. Yeah, they tweak the respawn mechanics, and in such a way that 
fits into the context of the narrative and makes things more challenging. You go up to um, this guy and he takes all of your magi, so suddenly you're a lot weaker because you don't have any of your materia. And he uses all of them to become a god, but he's secretly missing one. So while you're fighting him, he's pounding you with these flare magics. He spends the first six turns just gloating. Ah ha ha, I'm so powerful. And now watch. And he turns into a monster and says, the real fight starts here. Even though you've been pounding him for six turns doing, and it's just done nothing. And every other boss fight is like six turns long. Oh, wow. And um, so then you just feel helpless. And then he starts pounding you with flare magic. And you can't really do much. You can beat him normally, but he has more HP than anybody else in the game. And then, but after a certain amount of time, he starts melting in the fight. What's wrong? And your guy walks up. You didn't have the last Magi. And the boss just slowly melts while he's pounding you with flare magic. And then dies that way. And then you climb down to this, and then you meet God and team up with her. Except she says, and she goes, and you, your party members go, are you God? And she goes, not really. <laughs> I'm Alanis Morissette. <laughs> no, I'm not really God. But here, I'm going with you. And you climb down to the center of the earth with its completely linear trek downwards on this escalator. And suddenly you can't run away from fights. So you've lost the ability oh to run. God. You've lost your Magi. You've lost, um, you've lost um, your Odin safety net. But you've gained this god who's fighting with you and is really powerful. And you go down through like 30 identical floors. Every fight is really hitting you. And it's really stressful. Several mini-bosses. And then you get down to the bottom of this maze. And there's two of these big fucking mechs standing there. And she goes, I need you to take one. I'll take the other. So you have to fight the final strongest enemy of the game. No Magi, no Odin, no God. <laughs> and it's really fucking intense because it has like three stages. The first one is continuously regenerating. So you have to deal a certain amount of damage for it to even do anything. Oh, lovely. And then you beat that form and the music changes. And then it's just kind of hitting you with normal attacks. And then music changes to a new and original tune. And it says, um, Arsenal launched the Smasher. And then it just starts using this one really hard move every single turn. <laughs> and then you basically can't keep up with their healing. And I was out of healing magic anyway, and I'd saved at the bottom of the dungeon. And it was one way. So oh, I just boy. had to hope. And I just smashed Flare Mat. I saved all my strong items. The Glass Sword, which shatters after one hit. The two Nuke Bombs. A bunch of Flare Magic. And I just unloaded everything right at that point. And I barely beat him. And then the game ends. Arsenal launched the Smasher. <laughs> the Smasher. And God leaves. The and, Smasher. Uh, you, meet, you just go back home to your family. Oh. And Jesus. Okay, so Saga <laughs> 2. Saga 1 is a nightmare awesome... I keep saying nightmare. It's, um, it's this weird art piece that I love. And then Saga 2 is just a really, 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 really good video game. Like, I think, I don't even think I need to really, like, um, add any caveats to that. I think it is a completely successful rendition of Kawazu's weirdo mechanical ideas. Which all seem largely based around random. Absolutely. I think he only has one really key thing it's not it's one key idea and it's just random mm -hmm. i think that part about 
the game taking away your safety nets at the end is really awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's that's really fucking clever. And randomness. Like, yeah. Does it? I don't think it does this because you didn't mention it. But how crazy would it be if it just took away two of your save slots? <laughs> that would be really cool. That would just be like, really cool. You have to choose which one. The, these other two saves are going bye bye now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how but evil would that be? That's gorgeous. Except that there's no way. I can't really think of a way to work that into the narrative. And yeah. the game takes great pains to contextualize all of its um, taking away of your safety nets, which I yeah, think the, is the very thing nice. is really clever. Because then it, it feels fair. It's like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course I can't respawn after fights now. That makes sense. I killed Odin. You can say right before the fight, um, you only have a dialogue with Odin if you died before you meet him, which is probable because it's a saga game. And you say, and your character says, "But we can't kill you. We won't be able to respond after fights anymore." Is it and that literal? Goes, yeah, he did. They just say that, <laughs> and then Odin's except that's what literally happens. So it makes sense. And then Odin says, "You think you can beat me?" <laughs> and then attacks you. <laughs> It's a really good video game. Like, I pro- I think I like Saga 2 more than Saga 1, just because I feel like it's... I think... The Saga more fully 1, realized idea. I think Saga 1 taps into some kind of transcendent ideas imperfectly. Mm-hmm. And then Saga 2 doesn't really do that, but I think, as it is, it's just perfect. So, I think I value that just a little bit more. Does Saga 2 have much of a story or thematic um, stuff? Just, just minettes. Um, no, your your dad le- leaves at the start of the game, and you kind of chase ar- chase him around, and then he joins you. It's 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 an okay little through line, um, yeah. and it has kind of a nice resolution at the end. And the villain is introduced early on as this super generous, nice guy. Here, take these magi. I don't need them. I don't. I already have enough power. And then he meets at the end, and um, good, you've collected all the magi. I'm going to take them all now. <laughs> no, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to teleport all of these people you've saved throughout the game and threaten to kill them unless you give me the magi. So then you do. <laughs> uh, that's one thing is that the characters in Saga One aren't really good people. Um, the one there's a guy who kills a king, and you chase him down, and then he, he says, "Please don't kill me." And your characters go, "You're scum." die and then you kill and then you fight them and he dies in one hit that's saga one so saga two the characters are more the main characters more realized is less like kind of over the place like saga one is it kind of sounds like saga one is doing more interesting things like thematically with like the glitch rooms and the last boss kind of being the creator of the game i think it is yeah and then saga two is doing more interesting things with the refined mechanics and creating that sense of dread through the gameplay. Exactly. And it's a very potent sense of dread. Yeah. Um, I think my game of the year list is probably just going to talk be me talking <laughs> about Nora's Mask and Dragon Quarter. And I think that's a great comparison right there because I think Majora's Mask is a pretty messy game that is has some really, really interesting thematics. Whereas yeah. I think Dragon Quarter is a little simpler, but mechanically I think it's just perfect. Um. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's an interesting comparison to make. Which one do I value more at a given time is kind of just up in the air. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been playing a bunch of hard, weird games. And 
I've been making a bunch of really easy games because I think <laughs> I think I'm recognizing that the hard thing is kind of um, almost a personal indulgence in a way. Like I just get off on these really obnoxious hard games, <laughs> and I don't necessarily need to inflict that on everybody else. <laughs> um, one day I'm going to make my welcome to the machine shmup. My welcome oh. to the machine slash dragon quarter shmup. Oh. Um, and that'll be, I'll have done as much as that'll I need to. That'll be your zenith. Yes. That'll be my zenith. And then I can go back to making cute games. <laughs> Did you just say dragon quarter shmup? Dragon quarter. Well, my idea is that I want a <laughs> game that's like welcome to the machine where you're going through this long scrolling corridor of uh-huh. death. Except I want a timer in the corner that's constantly ticking down. And you can respond infinitely, except that when the timer hits zero, the game ends. So it's just basically like a continue system where and you... And then it wipes your hard drive. <laughs> and then you, have to start from, then you have to start back from the beginning. Um, so you're, the dragon you're expecting quarter, people yeah. to die. Yeah, of course. They'll probably play, have to play it like four or five times. I'm just thinking, welcome to the machine, starts you at the beginning at this, no matter what. Yeah, and so I, I don't want to... actually a little no, more it's not gonna be. No, no, it's not going to be straight up Welcome to the Machine because Welcome to the Machine isn't good. Um, <laughs> I want to make that, but good. <laughs> and the Dragon Quarter thing is that I want to give the character a really, really strong super gun, um, except using it drains the timer at an accelerated rate. Uh, uh, and I'm going to make the bosses really hard so you'll be extra incentivized to use the gun <laughs> and you drain your make- timer. Yeah, you might make the game unwinnable. Then you might make the game unwinnable. Then you're absolutely right, Pete. <laughs> oh my god! And then you'll get said- farther and farther, and then the timer will hit zero every time until you finally figure out the right combination, and the bo- final boss will be really hard. And then you have a weird, grim ending. I'm pretty excited about that game idea, but it's going to take like six months or more to put together, so I'm putting it off. The timer should be like an hour. I'm thinking 12 minutes. I think it's funnier if it's obscenely long, but the game is like half an hour long normally. Oh, the game will probably be like 12 minutes long. So maybe a 15 minute timer. So never use the super gun. Well, or maybe like 20 minute timer. I don't know. You'll (laughs) have to use the super gun. Uh, I wanted you to be able to use the super gun a good number of times. Yeah. But I want oh oh and if you hold down if you um and the ability to turn invulnerable and dodge attacks, hmm. um which drains your timer at an accelerated rate. So you have the super gun and you have this temporary bomb basically, except it doesn't hurt other things. Both of which drain the timer. Can you see me like just beaming right now? <laughs> I'm just smiling. Very similar really to your Twitter avatar, I would imagine. <laughs> It's exactly like that. I'm just like, oh my god, this sounds so heavenly and nice and good. What? Uh, it sounds evil. <laughs> it sounds like my dream game, which is why I'm I'm ca- starting to characterize this hard game thing as a personal indulgence because I'm recognizing that it's <sighs> because if you're playing the same room a hundred times over, is that really any different from grinding in an RPG? Is mashing your face against a super meat boy level for two hours any more like deep really um i'm not gonna say it's deep but it's different than grinding in an rpg exactly okay it's different 
but you always have both... the ability to beat it your first time. That's true. So I guess for me, they're both kind of like, except you don't. You just don't. Um, but it's a personal skill, it, not a mechanical one. Like, your numbers aren't big enough. Well, it's like you're trying to burn this thing into your brain and memorize it, and if you grind away at it long enough, then you'll get it done. Like, the ending to um, that game you showed me uh, by the Tower to Heaven people. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of Massacre games are like that. You have to grind away at the stages, and I find that really satisfying and enjoyable. Um but I'm recognizing that I don't think there's anything really inherently superior about that form of play or any reason to feel like I am doing any more noble of an indulgence than if I'm playing an RPG. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's how I'm characterizing this because I played like 30 hours of super hexagon. And (laughs) is that, is that noble? Is that deep? Is there something transcendent about that? Or is it just that I'm having this fun brain reaction to this series of colors? And I think that that's perfectly good and justifiable on its own, but I don't think I need to attach any higher making that more noble than it might be. So I want to make that game, my version of that game in like this machine game is what I'm saying. I got you. And I don't want to make all of my games like that. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's all I've been playing. Oh, wait, no. I played an hour of um, Sonic Adventure. Oh, sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah. How are you liking that so far? It's pretty bad. Aw. Yeah. I might play more, actually. I, something about it, like, I turned it off, like, in frustration. And then, uh, like, an hour later, I was like, I could kind of go for some more Sonic Adventure right now. <laughs> <laughs> I never find myself thinking that. Just, I got more Sonic levels to play. Um, I kind of want to play it again now. Yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, I got off the pinball level where the game is like, oh, oh God. here's the Casino yeah, Night level. That. It's going to be Fucking so fun. Terrible. Oh, wait, no. You just have to play pinball for a half hour. Just uh, grind like, enough coins. Yeah, that was. It's like an RPG, w- really. You keep w- going w- at w- enough, w- it'll w- be fun. Wait, 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 wait. They're yep. rings. Oh, he. He said coins. It's the first time Moosey's talked in like 20 minutes. Thought he died. <laughs> Alright. So he woke yeah. up for the Sonic talk. He's gonna Wait, it's Wings! Right, it's time back. to shine! Mm-hmm. No, so Sonic might, Adventure 2 is better. Um, so, I might play Son- more Sonic Adventure just as kind of like a case study, because that is the game that led to Sonic Generations and Sonic Colors, and I like those games, so it might be nice to see where that kind of started. Right. I think the evolutionary line of Sonic is not is very strange. clear. It's they... probably an interesting topic for a podcast, though. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's if I play like, more Sonic Adventure, maybe we can do that. Very generally, it feels like Sonic is a series that's constantly starting over. Yeah. Like, they, yeah, went, right. they had the adventure games, but then they went to Heroes. Then they went to 2006, but then they no, also no, had... No, 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 no. Shadow the Hedgehog was after I Heroes. Did. That's not a Sonic the Hedgehog game. Oh. Sonic's in it. After but Final this... Fantasy twelve came Dirge of Cerberus, Final Fantasy seven. Oh. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, Shadow the Hedgehog is a main canon entry to the series. I never played that one, so I'm not it's really probably sure. Probably not that much worse than he Sonic. He's edgy and he has a gun and he says damn <laughs> in one level. Seriously? Yep. Oh Where's that damn fourth Chaos Emerald? <laughs> 
I follow I follow a guy on Twitter who swears by Sonic Adventure and Sonic by Adventure Two like on his life. Um, and wow, he didn't I feel adventures. sorry for that dude. He didn't even like Sonic Sonic Heroes. He played it again and was like, "Well, this is kind of bad." Oh well. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna play Sonic Adventure and ugh, maybe two. I don't know. Uh, two is better because they took out the adventure part where it's boring. Yeah, that is pretty boring. Yeah, but then you've got Knuckles and Rouge stages. Yeah, yeah but there's already Knuckles stages in Sonic Adventure One. I think they're, they're ten times worse in Sonic Adventure Two. Like a half an hour on those things. Mm-hmm. Plus, don't don't all the character routes in Sonic Adventure One take place at the same time? It's yes. weird. That because, seems kind of cool because certain events change in certain routes, so but it's hard to say. There's one part where the robot says, "Give me the bird." And remember when I was playing it, my dad was watching because I was <laughs> you know like ten or whatever, and he like flipped off the TV. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Sonic Adventure seems kind of interesting. Um, I might go back to it just because weird Sonic. Oh, and also the way it like cuts to, like scenes completely, and then the music will just hard stop and then hard change. Oh um, yeah, but this was power of the Dreamcast. That was that was <laughs> Sega sort of in there. We don't know how to do dynamic soundtracks until Fantasy Star Online. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how to create a consistent aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah. Which is weird, because, like, Super Mario 64 feels like this complete thing. That's because Nintendo knows how to make good games. Yeah. (laughs) But it also came right off of Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which is, like, the most, like, consistent, gorgeous little thing. Um, One of the most consistent, gorgeous little 2D platformers I think I've ever played. Yeah. And then coming straight from that to this weird... Messy, cluttered I feel thing like there's a Sonic bunch Adventure. of Sonic stuff between Sonic 3 and Sonic Adventure. Like I'm sure. Sonic CD, like Sonic 3D Blast, Sonic CD came after Spinball, Sonic 2, right? Yeah, Sonic CD Mean Bean Machine. Okay, like, it's not coming right off of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. You're right, Woozy. Those are all different teams, so you got to really be looking at who made the games, and I think Sonic Team is Sonic Team made the one and Sonic, only. Yeah, Sonic Team made maybe one, two, three... Um, and then Adventure? Yeah. yeah. And okay. Nights in between. Which is why Adventure might be more There's interesting. There's a real drop that. in quality there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, 3D um, games are hard. Especially, they still haven't quite figured out Sonic. Yeah. Generations Sonic is as Gen- close as they've gotten, I think. Yeah. That's even, then they, as- even then, that final boss is oh like Oh my god, the final boss of that game is... Fuck. I don't know how that happened. Like, what, what were it's they doing? so bad. Like, I mean, the other boss think? fights aren't the other boss fights aren't great, but the final boss They're, is just this bizarre mess. I had no idea what was going on at all during that final boss fight of Sonic Generations. Huh? Yeah, I had to, like the other boss look up fights. Guy, figure out what it was the other boss fights are not great, but they are makes sense. Things happen, and you know how to move your character. Yeah, like uh, I could never fucking figure out how to move my character I just in that final boss games. fight where my actions aren't clearly related to what's happening on the screen. It just doesn't make sense to me. Watch out for that homing attack. Oh my god. Sonic, that looks like a homing attack. Was that joke too... Was that being being too subtle? Yes. Okay. (laughs) We got it, John. Okay, good. I thought it was pretty funny. Alright, um... So yeah, Sonic Adventure, and I think that is it for me. Thank you for that wonderful 
hour and a half monologue. It was an hour and a half, yeah. right? That <sighs> was something else. Uh, I'm stretching out a little bit. Uh, Rhett, got a question for you. Sure. Y- you got anything you want to talk about for an hour and a half? Oh, I got a lot of things to talk about. All right. I'm in my pillow all <laughs> fluffed out here. All right. Let's go. Uh, speaking of yawning, I saw the movie Interstellar. Oh, sounds like a ringing oh. endorsement already. No, I, I really liked it, but it is... <laughs> I, I also oh. really liked it. It is a very... I haven't seen it. ...long movie at just under three hours, and it's fairly slow for a lot of it, given that it's three hours long, but it's highly enjoyable. Uh, it's about, like, the Earth is dying and humans have to find a new planet to colonize... Uh, but, but like, but the other thing is like, no one is spending any money on space space colonization, and like, like the moon landing has been like remade into a cover up to make people not want to go to the moon. Yeah, like history books are telling the cover up, saying that it was just faked in order to make the Russians bankrupt themselves. I like this. <laughs> this sounds really cool and devious. Yeah, and like, for the most part, it's pretty hard science. Like, it's trying to be realistic about it. Like. When they go off into space, they, like, hibernate for, like, two or three years. And yeah, then, and, like, fuel resource management is yeah, like a big theme. They're out of fuel, like, the whole time. Mm. Oh, but that then, sounds stressful in a good way. It's a very stressful movie. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Like, the whole thing is just tense and on edge and just the fear of being alone in space billions of miles away and stuff. A little bit less, like, honed in on that than, like, gravity, which was just, like, purely... You're on the brink of dying for the whole movie, and that's everything about it. Mm, I didn't see Gravity, so I can't. Oh, it's really neither, good. Neither did I. Mm. Yeah, there's all, it's very, like, there's basically nothing to it but that, and I kind of like that about it. It's just mm. constantly about to die. Jeez. Space movie. But then Interstellar also gets into really kind of theoretical stuff, like uh, there's one planet that I guess is, was close to a black hole, so, like, time is distorted there where spending... Yeah, like, like, an hour there is, like, seven years in normal yeah. space-time. Oh, cool. So they realize if they go down to this planet and even come right back up, it'll be... Everyone else will be older, and they have to make the choice, do they do that or not? And Yeah. And then it gets really weird at the end, but it's a very enjoyable movie. I uh, don't want to spoil like too much. I movies get weird at the end. Yeah, and the ending, it's the kind of... It's, it's divisive. Like, let's not spoil it, obviously. Yeah. It's... I, I didn't care for the ending, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. Yeah, that's Lots good. Of people didn't, which is kind of interesting. Um, so. 2001 was like two-thirds hard science and then one-third going completely off the rails into I think amazing nonsense I, land. This I movie is think very... that ratio for 2001 is accurate, but let's not get into that. Actually, yeah, it might be only like 15 minutes but at the end, but I, I, think, I think 2001 is perfect, so... I think if you like 2001, you should see this movie then. I really like 2001. I've seen neither Gravity or 2001, and I'm really interested in this movie just based on the core concepts of it. It sounds really intriguing. Neat. And I'm on board with Chris Nolan movies in general. Like, Aside from Dark Knight Rises, I've basically liked everything by him I've seen. I really liked Inception. I really liked Dark Knight. I really like um, the other ones. (laughs) Prestige. (laughs) I need to see the Prestige. A lot of oh, people. How could that's you the one not that's seen the Prestige? That's like, that's like a lot of people's favorite one. I think 
It's so Batman and Wolverine in, in the same movie. I need to like see that in the collection. I actually didn't really like Memento all that much, but what? Right, all of them. Memento uh, is fantastic. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I don't know. I guess I love that movie. I guess that might be wh- where I kind of. Oh no, I've, I've kind like, of forgotten most of Memento. I guess I kind of maybe feel like the way a lot of people feel about Chris Nolan movies in general is like Memento is so like cold. It was kind of hard to find anything to latch on to besides it definitely just the like doesn't feel uh, doesn't feel as much like a Chris Nolan movie. Like all of his movies since Batman Begins, you can kind of tell they're Chris Nolan movies just the way they're written, the way they're directed. Like they like I can't put my finger on what it is exactly, but they have that Chris Nolan feel that I don't think Memento does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it was a, it was a really interesting movie. I felt like Inception had more was kind of like that, but with more like kind of a human core to it for me to latch on to. And um, but yeah, I really like his movies. Yeah, yeah. I really I need to see Inception. I actually haven't seen that one. Oh, it's, it's really it's good. good yeah, I, it's like perfectly up my alley. I just mm-hmm. didn't get around to seeing that one. Yeah. But I, really like the batman movies and now this interstellar mm-hmm. yeah i saw dark knight um a little while ago and that movie's still really good yeah it holds yeah. up it holds up oh man it's one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. it's it's solid as shit i mean there's just there's it's a long ass movie but there, it, it just never feels like there's any downtime and it still has yeah. time to like brood when it needs to i love it mm-hmm. and you need to brood with batman unless, <laughs> unless it's adam west of course mm-hmm. or a lego movie <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> cool. Uh so on to video games. Uh I played a little bit of all the games I talked about last week. Mm-hmm. I did an, another run through Shovel Knight where I didn't get any of the magic spells. Oh, How cool. was that? Uh it's pretty fun. The last few couple levels are really freaking hard that way. That's oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah. I yeah. really want to try a no magic run because it just seems like you know, you 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 used you end up using the magic a lot as sort yeah. of a crutch, even when you don't feel like you need to. It just it just expedites mm-hmm. the process a lot. But yeah. I really want to play that game, not having those tools there before you know we start talking about that game again at length uh, later. <laughs> I, I know I don't like. Maybe I'm just terrible at that game, but I thought that game was really hard. Really, oh. I was I died a lot. In that that boss game. got a lot at the end. Was kind of rough. The mm-hmm. eight boss one, um, the final boss I beat pretty easily. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think I don't think they could have like made the boss gauntlet at the end any easier and made it still kind of exciting. Uh, oddly, oddly enough, I don't think I actually had much trouble on that. It's just like everything else, though I did. Mm-hmm. I've heard the boss gauntlet is way harder on New Game Plus. Yes, because like they don't give you meat between the fights. I get oh, apparently cool. you get meat every two fights. Oh, do you? So that's like the only meat in New Game Plus. They weren't that evil. Wow, I would have been that evil because I think if you're playing the game at that level at that point, you should. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. But I mean, you've also got the the taking extra damage. Yeah. Oh, cool. Or maybe like one piece of meat halfway through. Yeah. I would have done it that way or something. But Some of those bosses, I just cannot figure out how to not get hit on them. Like oh, a few. I had a hell of a, a great time figuring out the boss patterns and how to avoid their attacks. That was mm-hmm. like what really kept me playing that game. Was I really like those bosses? Yeah, they're a lot really of people well said that designed. they were just like these big messy 
clusterfuck bosses. Not at all. I could always tear them apart. Most of the attacks have tells, uh, really easy to spot tells, and when an attack is, you know, starting to fly your way, it's not that hard to react. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe Plague Knight might yeah, be... Yeah, that's specific. Yeah, that one was... That Plague one definitely... with all the potions, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that one definitely yeah. feels the most clusterfucky to me in terms of, like, old Mega Man games, because I think old Mega Man game bosses are just kind of random spammy bullshit. He but literally... Man, he literally feels like an old Mega Man boss. Yeah. He's just jumping randomly. Just jumping randomly, throwing shit everywhere. But he is the only one that, like, I'm not really consistent at in terms of just, like, reading his attacks and being able to react in an appropriate manner. Was it yeah. Spectre Knight? That one's super fun. Oh, I, really I love like that, that one. Yeah, it, he's maybe the fe- my favorite. Tinker Knight's still the best. Tinker Knight. Was he the? He's the one who's two fights, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, oh, the one with so the, with, he's the one with his Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Tinker Knight, I figured out on my second time through the game that when he backs up and charges, mm-hmm. if you like r- run very carefully on his lance, you can yep. actually stay you up can there stay the whole time. On. You can stay on. You can like two cycle that him. fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah really that was awesome. really fun. And the uh, final boss, I found out using one of the magic tools, I could stay in the air and definitely and just beat the whole thing in like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's magic, right? Are all those tools? Yeah. Okay, because yeah, well, I, I didn't use, like, the potions at all. I just didn't feel the need. Um, yeah. The ones that, like, make you invincible for 10 I only seconds. Went, I only went to the Triple King to watch him dance. <laughs> because I fucking, lo- I, I fucking love that sequence. And it was just like, I would go there and just be like, dance for me. I'm feeling a little down. That's a really cute, sweet game. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, pro- yeah. I'll give it all a playthrough again when they put in all that new content stuff. Or they already have put in a lot, right? Uh, apparently no, that stuff is still coming. They're do- okay. gonna do, like, extra playable characters. What? Yeah, I, like, I didn't hear anything about this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I w- can't I you play their- as all the, aren't they gonna make it so you can play as all the bosses? What? Eventually. So, I went to okay. the Kickstarter, and I guess they hit the stretch goal a bunch of times to have extra playable knights and give them their own campaign. Oh, shit! Oh, man. So the first one is going to be Plague Knight, and I don't think the others have been decided yet. I'm on yeah. board. I'm playing this game Shield even Knight. more now. Shield Knight. Shield Knight. They have to do something they have with to Shield, do Shield Knight. Knight. There's also going to be a gender swap mode that I might just redraw every single night as a girl. That's really awesome. I love that. And then I guess there's going to be like a versus mode where you can just play as any knight. I, I want to... I, w- I, I am so fucking ecstatic knowing there's more Shovel Knight content coming. I fucking I had no idea. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh man, they hit a lot of stretch goals on this thing. And I just, I never kept track of the Kickstarter and I didn't know that like extra characters and like all of this shit was, oh my God, I'm, oh my God, I'm giddy. Oh my God. I feel <laughs> it welling, it's welling up inside of me. <laughs> oh, my nipples are tingly. Really nice. Yeah. Like they only just released the game in Europe. So they're a little bit behind on fulfilling all these obligations. Well, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. That, that What a good Kickstarter success story. Yeah, definitely. Unlike that Broken Age, which... I was just uh, about to say Broken Age. <laughs> I want to say... Like, which I want to like say... Broken Age. I want to say that, that I, I just read that like the game's story was only finished a month ago, and they're only now recording the voice acting for part two. Oh. Yeah, that's... Wouldn't surprise what I hinted me. at when I last mentioned it on the thing. P.S. Oh. Fuck Tim Schafer and fuck Double Fine. There was that, the latest oh. episode of the documentary was 
everybody sitting around realizing that there's nothing to do because Tim hasn't finished writing the story yet. Oh my god! Why would it you put like, that out there? <laughs> it was literally like, here we're gonna wipe our ass with your expectations. Like, the programmer stuff is already done because Act 1 exists. Like, the artists can't do anything because they're they waiting to the know what to draw. Is. Like, the voice actors can't do anything because they don't have a final script. <laughs> like, it was literally just like, everyone's looking at Tim being like, get it done. God. Oh, I bet that's fun. I feel, yeah. so- I feel sorry for the good people like Brad Muir that have to yeah, work that's, there. I was just thinking, because I was watching, like, Giant Bomb's video with him and Massive Chalice and Eugenics, yeah. and yeah, don't, don't, don't rope Brad Muir into that. He's yeah, I, I like Brad Muir. He's, he's good people, and Massive Chalice looks like a really good strategy game. Also, I just love brutal legend so like i don't care what double fine ever does in the future like they have a pass <laughs> because of that stupid stupid game oh man what a weird thing i only played a little bit of it sorry Just- to have sidetracked you Rhett. Sorry yeah. about that uh i did the color dungeon in Link's awakening oh, oh. cute and it's it's, that, it's yeah go that's ahead pretty disappointing compared to the other dungeons in that game yeah, it feels like, like a game, a one you should play at like the third or fourth. It feels like a third or fourth or like a second or third dungeon. What yeah. if you do it after the eighth dungeon, it's like, welp. Yeah, it was just like a trifle, like very underwhelming. And like the rooms are kind of styled like Zelda one rooms where it's just the four walls and mm-hmm. no sort of stairs or levels or interesting. So kind of just like content we finished and then at the end of the process and just threw it in there kind of. Mm-hmm. Well apparently they threw out the source code to the game originally. Oh good job. Of course. Because all developers did back then because they were idiots. Yeah. So oh, that's Link's awful. Awakening DX was basically programmed like like a ROM hack. Oh wow. Where they just kind of dumped it into the Game Boy Color and kind of emulated it or something. Oh, wow, that's crazy. There's a post on NeoGAF that Raquel showed me where it's like, if you actually dig into the code, it's like written in assembly. Oh, God! So, that realizing that after the fact, I'm like, okay, that's maybe why the new content sucks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. I think think all that stuff is written in assembly anyway. But they can like document it and like label things. Yeah, yeah. This but was then like, when it's when it gets broken down into the Game Boy Color itself, all of that helpful labeling disappears, and it just becomes a bunch of nonsense. So then you have to discern what everything does just based on the code itself, which is really, 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 really hard. Shit. Yeah, because like, assembly is fucking tough. I read oh the super. God. I read the Metroid source code once, and oh yeah, that was a Me trip. Too. That was a trip. I have a better understanding of that just because I took, like, two classes on assembly language. Mm-hmm. But um, it was still, like, basically incomprehensible. If, if you don't know anything about CS, assembly is, like, one step up from binary. You can yeah. actually <laughs> hand-convert assembly language into binary and vice versa. It's just that is the lowest you can go, basically. Closest to the machine. <laughs> Great. Uh, and then I started the Pigsy's Perfect Ten DLC in Enslaved, mm-hmm. and I just could not get into it at all. Oh, that's oh, a bummer. That's, that's too bad. I know a lot I of will, people that like that. I'll try to give it another shot, but it's just like I'm not in the mood to play as Pigsy right now. And you don't like Pigsy anyway. He is kind of a pervert. <laughs> He's a pervert, but I just I I throughout that game I just thought his character was just great. I liked him. 
but then it's also like the game turns into this really slow third person shooter because he's you're playing slow. as Pixie. Yeah. I mean, I I never played the DLC, so I can't yeah. comment on that. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. So, like, the first half hour was just, like, hold up and then use grapple when the game tells you to, then shoot robot in the head when the game tells you to, and I'm just like, this is driving me nuts. I want to play something else for a bit. <laughs> is he like the robot levels in Sonic Adventure? Oh, no slower. Oh! <laughs> so it's like the big, the cat levels. Oh, yeah. There's a good comparison. God, I kind of want to keep playing Sonic Adventure after this podcast is over. Oh, oh you should have said that already. You know what, John? You're a glutton for punishment, as you've proven on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Just this episode alone, you've proven you're a glutton for punishment. Play it. Yes. Play, play Sonic Adventure to completion. Yes, you I, have to. You I have to do, do that. this now. I I'm already almost to. halfway through the Sonic levels, and I'm sure it's all uphill from there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, for reals, the there's the Tails levels, which are like, okay, I probably don't need to go through each one of them. They're all no, 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 no. If you're gonna do this, you have to finish every character's story so you can get the true ending. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. I just I don't. I probably don't need to go through each of them in turn on the podcast with y'all. Yeah. We'll get to that when I mean, you play yeah, you can, yeah. you can report back when you're done. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Uh, and then for new games, I played The Room. Hey, which, I fucking love that game. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think it started stronger than it finished, though. I'm going to agree. Like, that when chapter gets two... Gets... Yeah. Like, chapter two, like, the one after the tutorial, is what Polly and Raquel really talked about on the podcast last week, where it's a lot of, like, looking underneath and just uncovering little trinkets everywhere. Yeah, poking and, around at the box and finding yeah. new ways to interact with it. They lose a bit of that as the game goes on, yeah. Yeah. It feels to get really linear as yeah. you go on, where it's just like, you get key, use key here, new puzzle, get key, use it somewhere else. Yeah, and, and, and one in, in chapter one and two, it's feasible to do those in almost any order, because you can just poke around at the box and find things, you know. Be- yeah, it's a shame they kind of lose that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, and the story's kind of inconsequential and dumb. Oh, man. I really hated it. The ending. Oh, like- oh my god, it was so stupid. <laughs> Uh, like, just like cut, cutting t- with like a to be continued in chapter two by that game when it comes out, that was just sort of tacky. Yeah, like even like a fade to white would have felt better than that. It ends with just going, "Stay tuned for the room too." Like what yeah. the fuck? And like, I will buy the room too because I, I I had a lot of fun. Even when it loses a bit of its mojo towards the end, I still mm-hmm. like those puzzles and figuring them out and poking at the box and seeing how this little, you know, starting with a little box and then it just continues expanding and it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still like that concept a lot. Yeah, even if the story beats are like, oh, okay, I know where this, I understand this, this yeah. is slight. But just ending it with an ad for the sequel that yeah, isn't that even on PC. Yeah, that was so fucking tacky. <laughs> and it wasn't out when I finished playing the game. I was playing on iPhones, like, years ago, so uh, it was just like, okay. And then yeah, I, I never just, downloaded the sequel, so I don't know. Oh. I just laughed when that popped up. I'm like, really, guys? That's that's what that's what you're going to do? <laughs> Not even, like, another letter or something. It's no, just, it's just... Game it's, is over. Yeah, like, didn't Mass Effect 3 do that? When it first oh. came out, too, it's like the continuing adventures of Shepard and the DLC coming yeah. in a couple no. of months. 
no, no when the first, it, when the first came out, very, it was like, just it was just a bad ending. It I was the like ending a to... come soon. No, I remember a text box being floated around that said yeah. the continuing adventures of uh you of, can No 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 no. What it is is that after you beat it it puts you back it brings your save back to before you do the final mission, and there's a text box that says you can continue playing the game or do DLC. Right, I just thought that was so dumb. Like, like Okay. Yeah, it's that's better than if it was after the final mission. Especially since, like, the universe turns into a Garden of Eden-shaped robot cyborg heaven, right? <laughs> no, no, it, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because yeah, you, you kill all the robots. Like that's the my understanding thing. of, um... Well, yeah, that's why they're all in heaven. There's no, there's We're no going heaven. off topic. That's my understanding of the Mass Effect three ending. We are veering you're, 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 osmosis. We're veering into the wall. I will uh, drive this played, into the wall if I have to. <laughs> Rhett played another thing, didn't you, Rhett? Yes, I played a little bit of jazz punk. That game was good. I didn't finish I it because I got a little distracted by something else. Uh oh! But what, but, uh, did, what did you think of jazz punk? Like th- that you did play of it though, because I really I'd like. It's a very singular vision kind of game. You can tell it was made by one person, because yeah. because the sense of humor is just right up front and it is the center of attention the whole time. Yeah, it is a humor game, not really a game. It's just like mechanics. It's, it's just, just like gag, gag. Here's a gag. Here's a. It's just rapid fire machine gun gags everywhere. That sounds really yeah. enjoyable. It's. I loved it. The main thing that stood out to me is how in the first area, the Russian area, like there's a lot of incidental music playing in the area. Yeah. That's super repetitive. Oh, yeah, that can get annoying. So I'm not going to say annoying, but it like was uncomfortable. Like the whole (laughs) vibe was just like had me kind of on edge. Well, I mean, you're in Russia. That was probably intentional. This weird, trippy weird humor <laughs> and then this looping music and then you walk to another area and like the loop changes slightly because there's a bunch of music tracks in the area yeah and then the japanese area was funny and then do you I like got... me in kimono or kisterio <laughs> yeah I lo- that's my favorite fucking line in the whole game yeah i remember you posting a screenshot of that one but like the game is just so rapid fire <laughs> oh, with i just got that <laughs> 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 oh, I, I oh, haven't, I haven't okay, played the I get game. It. Somebody just had their John moment. I see. <laughs> that's what I, I didn't, I didn't even think like, about it until Moosey said, "I get it," and then I was like, "Wait, what is there to?" Oh, <laughs> but like the game stupid. is throwing these jokes out, like just left every and right. Second. Yeah, like you could just miss stuff if you don't take a second to think. Like, what is the pun here? And it's all, like, computer-related puns a lot of the time. But uh, I'll probably finish that up pretty soon, maybe not talk about it again. Uh, next, I played a little bit of a game called Mind Path to Thalmus. Ooh, this That's, one's interesting. Yeah. So this is what some people would probably miscategorize as a walking simulator. Mm-hmm. Because it's got very big, pretty environments. Very okay. pretty, mind you. It's very pretty, and you hold up a lot to walk around them, but it's really more of a puzzle game, and I think the closest comparison I can draw to it is kind of like Mist, where... Oh, boy. Ooh. The environments are really 
kind of surrealist and there's an internal logic to them like how stuff works but that logic doesn't apply to the real world at all it's literally stuff like if you stand in this location it will start to rain and when it rains wooden platforms raise up Oh, that's really cool. So it's like stuff like that is like noticing things in the environment and Mm -hmm. yeah. So you have to be yeah. It's a lot of paying attention to figure out like the rules of what's going on. That That sounds a little bit like antechamber, where like half of the puzzle is figuring out what the puzzle is. Yeah, that game gave me a headache. (laughs) It broke my brain. You should try antechamber again. I'm going to try it again, and I will finish it. But but at the time that I played it, it just it took my brain. And like it smushed it on its knee and just kept smushing and like that yeah. that game hurt my fucking mm-hmm. head. <laughs> well, there's a critical flaw to Antichamber that I think needs to be addressed if we're going to bring it up. What is that? Um, there's no walking on walls. There's no like you walk through a door and then you're walking on the wall of the previous room. Oh jeez. There's no walking on ceilings either. Mm. Monument Valley did that on iPhone, which is like that but kind of two D. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no walking on they, walls. I don't really know how much I can recommend Antichamber. <laughs> they should do that for the sequel. Mm-hmm. And two chamber. I actually, really, I actually really really like that game. And it's- two chamber. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. This Mind Path to Thalamus game looks really pretty. It is. Yes. He really sent me a bunch pretty. of screenshots prior to the podcast, and it was like, this game's really fucking gorgeous to gop at. Yeah, it's like maybe the most picturesque game I've ever played where it just feels like every single environment that you can possibly look at is framed in such a way that it makes like a great wallpaper or something. That's yeah. so nice. So I just, I just want to walk through the game taking screenshots constantly. And I kind of do. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> Plus it looks like the um, puzzles are really integrated into like the world. Have you, have you all been following the witness at all? Jonathan blows thing. I've tried to follow it, but there's just never enough information to really know. I mean, he's not really uh, getting out there and saying much about it. Yeah, I don't really follow it. I just check in every now and then. And as I understand, you're walking around and there's like a bunch of puzzle panels. And they're like separate, this, these things, separate 2D puzzles. Yeah. And then you leave the yeah. puzzles and then walk around the pretty mist world. And But like the 2D puzzles, I guess, are integrated into the world in a way where, where like the... like. The environment helps you solve the puzzles, or the okay. puzzle helps you yeah. get through the environment. That's good, then. There yeah, is a connection, they need to but play that up. I think the puzzles in it is almost figuring out the connection to the world. Yeah. Good, good. And the lines. Because if it was just, like, walking through the world, then going into these puzzle things, then that would just be really dumb, because it would just be, like, a hub for the puzzles. <laughs> I, I can't think that Jonathan Blow would make something so superficial. Slight. No. Yeah, nah. <laughs> But yeah, Mind Path to Thalamus is more pretty and environmental, and there's these balls you can carry around, and you can use those to kind of activate the trigger spots, and sometimes it's like you need to roll it down the hill, then go stand in another spot, and then it'll roll into the trigger. Cute. Uh, but I, have, I haven't finished that either, even though it's probably not that long. I put maybe mm-hmm. one or two hours into it. Uh the main game I played this week was a little thing called Valkyria Chronicles. Good, Ooh. good, good, good choice. Love that game. Ooh. And that is a fucking hell of a game, and I beat it just like two hours ago. Awesome. Oh, badass. Yeah. 
So good thing we delayed recording the podcast a little bit. Yeah. I really want to play that game. You should. You should play that it's game. It's amazing. You know what I've heard about that game? I already was interested in it um, like years ago. But mm-hmm. apparently the battle system kind of owes a lot to Dragon Quarter. Oh, jeez. Not in the no. not in terrifying like timer to dying um, throughout the whole game thing way, but just the whole moving a bunch of characters tactically around, arranging them in these spaces – and doing that is is that familiar at all? Does that sound like it at all? It's a game where it's a strategy game where you move your units around, but it's like you move them around like it's a third person shooter. Like you're mm-hmm. very down in the field. You're not like just moving them like chess pieces or something. Yeah, you you get a big overhead map, and then you select the unit you want to move, and then you can move that unit okay. as as many times as you want. Can, you know, depending on how many action points you have. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that that's a little bit like how Dragon Quarter does it with the action points, but they're they obviously Valkyria Chronicles is much, much larger scale. But that that was part of it well why I was so interested. Yeah. I think you should be interested in it for other reasons, but Yeah, it's I'll let Rhett go ahead. Go ahead. Uh kinda not sure where to start with this because it's a lot of thing things to talk about, but uh I've liked strategy RPGs in the past. I just don't seem to play very many. Like I played uh that one on the 3DO was like my first strategy RPG, oh Guardian War. Guardian War. And then there was one on the Saturn, and then there was Final Fantasy Tactics. And then I didn't play any for like 15 years until the new XCOM. Because I just haven't found that very kind of rare, almost, type of game where it's really about having your squad and moving them around together and defeating enemy types. Mm-hmm. I think I'd really like Fire Emblem because I think that's pretty much the exact same kind of yeah, setup. Yeah, it's it's similar, yeah. But I had a lot of trouble with Valkyria Chronicles at the start because my most recent frame of reference was XCOM. And it kind of... The games... I think XCOM developers even said that they looked to Valkyria for inspiration on some things. Mm-hmm. But I think in the end, the games play very differently where XCOM is a very defensive game and it's all about like making your sh- guys are in cover. There's a whole cover system where like hiding behind cars and stuff will give you like either half cover or full cover until like the cars explode and kill them anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that happens. Oh, that game. But XCOM is much more slower def- defensive like don't rush ahead, don't get your guys shot. Like if you get hit in that game like you fucked up. John John would love XCOM because it's a game you can literally fucking lose and have to start over. You, you yeah. know, hey, you know, let, let me tell I you about XCOM. how let me tell you about how far I got into XCOM. I got uh-huh. really far, got so hard I had to turn it down to easy. Kept going, got to the final mission, literally got to the final encounter in the final mission, and I couldn't beat it. I just gave up because it just, <laughs> just it was too much. I could, that's. I, Fabulous. That's very and, you close know, like, to my experience with I it. I could have like loaded a save from before the final mission and gone and done more grinding, but I was I was done with the game at that point. I just deleted it. Also, I was, I was playing the PS3 version because it was free on PlayStation Plus, and that version Uh-oh. is bad. Don't play that Uh-oh. version. Mm, I mean, oh, you need to it's, be it's making a, multiple a, saves, but constantly a, preparing. Oh no, John! XCOM yeah. has a mode. That's yeah. called Iron Man. I think it's Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. Where your characters die and they die for good. Yeah, and you you can't like. And you only have save. one save file. 
And like it automatically saves when shit happens. I know what I'm getting, John. I know what I'm getting, John, for a wedding gift. <laughs> I already own it. Oh yeah, and there's oh there's, there's, I, well, I need no, just, there's I the, uh, the oh. expansion. You could get in the expansion. Oh, you go. Yeah, enemy with. I also own Jazz Punk. Um, I'm just playing Sonic Adventure instead of either of those. Oh I God. mean, that's the true horror. So John just hates. It. I think John just secretly hates himself. Secretly. While we're on this diversion, I actually did have to restart my first XCOM game because <laughs> it just got too hard for me. I, I fucked up one thing. I, like, ignored the story missions. Whoops. Which meant that, like, I was in a completely unwinnable state because the enemies had, like, ramped up to a point where I couldn't capture an alien specimen and then you have to do that to beat the game. Oh, yeah. no. But then <laughs> my second game, I still played on Iron Man where if, you, if characters die, they die for good and you can't reload saves. And like Brett, I got to the or Moosey, I got to the. I mean, I don't. I mean, you could say my name. It's just more <laughs> confusion. Yeah. Say his name. Say his name. Uh, I got to the final boss and was incredibly close to losing because he's got like fucking mind control. So he just like con- yep. mind controls yeah. one of mind controls one of my soldiers, has them like shoot another one to death. I'm like, oh my god, but. <laughs> I had a sniper way in the back with, like, double tap and just shot him in the head twice and actually won the game. But, like, just fucking barely. Hey, Reed. Was, hey, yeah. Reed. When you won that way, didn't it feel really good? It felt really fucking good. It felt really good, didn't it? <laughs> it was literally, literally like, a 20-hour game on that one moment, like, win or lose. And it felt amazing, didn't it? Hey, Reed, <laughs> you should play Saga. <laughs> Yeah. You know you you know what else felt really good? Deleting that game off my hard drive. <laughs> it was not your game of the year. It was not my game of anything. But it was Giant Bomb's game of the year. Come on. Yeah, well, I'm not Giant Bomb. <laughs> Wait, you're not? You're not. You you know what my game of the year 2012 was? Mass Effect 3. So, there you go. There were so many good games that year. Okay, like, Shoemaker. That were <laughs> that old Mass Effect Three is so good. <laughs> oh man, I don't actually know anything about Mass Effect Three. Oh man, but there was like man, I could talk for a long time about Mass Effect if you oh, let me. Let, but but don't because I'm like, like like tired. Between Walking Dead um, and Mark of the Ninja and Ziggurat and Journey, what are you even talking Fez about? Fez for He's, 2012 when I was trying oh. to think of what my favorite one was. I just so, we, so, so to reel this back in a little bit, <laughs> Rhett, tell us a little more about Valkyria Chronicles. Yes. So that was X- what we were talking about. <laughs> That's where we started. So XCOM is a very defensive game. Valkyria, I feel, is a very offensive game where the one thing it ranks you on is how fast you complete a mission. Yeah. Oh, cool. And I think the hardest thing to wrap my head around about it is that you can move the same unit multiple times in a turn as long as you have enough action points which is so different from every other strategy rpg i've ever played where it's just one unit one turn one movement you know and then yeah, enemy you get, turns you know when you when you can move multiple units multiple times it adds a whole new layer of strategy to it but isn't wait, yeah. I thought like an XCOM like you could move and then like you could move extra far but not attack like is that's kind of the same thing? Not really, no, no. because 
Because I, mean, I haven't played Valkyria. Because so. in Valkyria, you get a pool of action points, and you can yeah. spend those on any unit you want. So you could like if you oh. have if you have oh, five so you action could, like, points, spend all of them on one. Yeah, character. yeah. Oh. You can straight up spend them all on the same character. The only limiting factor is that their movement range decreases each time. Yeah, but like there was one side mission I beat on turn two because I just took a gunner and just ran to the enemy base and then attacked like four times to kill everybody and then claim the base. Awesome. That's so awesome. It's like you got, you really ha- kind of have to learn different strategies where it's like, as long as you're in position, like you could just keep fucking attacking. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, and like I said, the I might, last episode, and like I said in the last episode, like that focus on doing everything fast, I felt just kind of, uh, it, 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 yeah. it nullifies defensive strategies, and I really think that if you're going to do a strategy game, it, it needs to be a little more balanced. Like, I feel the Fire Emblem games are a good balance between defense and offense, and Valkyria just leans way hard into doing things as fast as possible, cranking out as much damage in one turn as you can, you know? it's Yeah. It is a, it is a Sega game, so it should be going fast. <laughs> they gotta go, it's gotta go fast. Oh, gotta go fast. <laughs> Yeah, even the way, like, enemies, the enemy AI can call in reinforcements, like, every single turn. Yeah. Like, it really focuses on not just killing individual enemies, but, like, killing them and taking their base so they can't keep spawning reinforcements. But strategy stuff aside, I think the game does just a remarkable job tying the story into what you're doing in the battles. Yeah. Like, every single mission... Like, they frame what you're doing so well in the story. And, like, none of the missions are really repetitive. Like, they've all got kind of unique gimmicks. That's really nice. Like, there's boss fights where it's like you have to destroy this tr- this train by hitting the bridge from underneath and stuff. And some enemy, some areas will have, like, there's grass where snipers will be hiding in it and you've got to be really careful. Yeah, so it's, it's it's there's a lot of unique mission setups in that game yeah. and the way that they tie to the story and just the overall mood of the story at that time it makes yeah. you feel each battle. Yeah. And plus the way the camera zooms into your character when you're moving them like you feel like a part of the battle. Yeah. Them. Like feels the most realistic and like least detached of any besides a uh, Guardian War which also had a very low down view when moving your characters. Mm-hmm. But like fa- something like Final Fantasy Tactics, where it's like you're above the characters, and then you see the world is like this little floating square. Yeah, it's kind of disconnected. This doesn't ha- suffer from that problem at all. And then it doesn't seem like a super long game at the start when you know how many chapters there are. But then when you talk to the reporter and can start unlocking like bonus chapters there's yeah. a lot of content in that game that game's very it, it's a hell of a lot bigger than you think it is going in yeah and then since i beat it just like thinking back from like where the story started to where it ends is like there's damn, so son. much there's so much progression yeah it's just like the world is definitely different when you finish that game and you feel it and, and you, the and the characters have all gone through their immensely. arcs yeah, yeah, the characters have all changed, and, like, there's just, you know, like, the ending is really fucking good. Ending's magnificent. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I think the story does an incredible job of, like, one, setting up things and paying them off later. Yes. Like, I don't think there are any loose ends besides maybe one that's not really that important. Mm-hmm. But 
So it sets things up and it pays them off and it feels really satisfying when it does that. And I think it does a great job of like bringing up subjects. Like the game is basically a World War II uh, fictional version. Yeah, it's an alternate weird yeah. anime retelling of World War II. Sweet, so is anime Hitler in it? Yeah, but he's like a blonde hair guy with blue eyes. So he's of super course. Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> Super Aryan. Yeah. This sound this game sounds really good. It's dude, really good. Dude, seriously. I'm really excited. Yeah. So like it brings up a lot of subjects and like does their chapter, but then it doesn't dwell on it too long. Like nothing gets repetitive and then it just kinda of moves on s- smoothly to another topic. So I really enjoyed the story. I think if you don't pay attention to the story, like you won't enjoy the game as much if you're just looking straight for a strategy RPG. The thing about the issues that that game addresses that I like is, like you said, they, they hit their point and they move on, but sometimes that point doesn't hit you until like a little bit later. It's like, oh, that's what they're alluding to, or oh, that's oh, why yeah. that's there. It's it's that, like, how, like, did, like, it's such a brilliantly written game. I mean, top to bottom. Yeah. I think the vo- English voice acting is actually really good as well. Oh, definitely. I actually played a game in English for once when it had the option to do Japanese. Yeah, the the, the dub is super top-notch, and with as many varied characters as there are, there's a pretty large cast of characters. Um, everybody yeah. is pretty damn good. Yeah. The one downside is that none of your squad members besides Rosie and Largo have like any characterization at all in the actual story. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. Like it really shoves those two down to the side. Yeah. And then if you're playing on Japanese, like there's not even subtitles. So all that their voice, what they're actually saying would be lost. Like the side characters. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have funny personalities. Like, there's this one girl who's a lancer, and she's like, you seen these muscles? Oh, she's like, awesome. Yeah. And then there's, like, one girl who's a very obvious lesbian. Yeah. Like, ew, boys. <laughs> it's our own secret garden. She goes She goes to great depths to align herself with females, and then when the one shows no interest, she immediately latches on to another. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very funny situation. So your squad characters are all very quirky. Like, there's one that talks like a southerner. Or not... What is it? Like a Cali, California Valley girl. Oh. Like, she died for me, though. Oh, no. Rat. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. A few deaths. She died on Chapter 7. That's the one where Oof. Super Lady shows up. Yeah. I'm just like, fuck it. I can't start this over. No, no. That's but, war. Uh, that's war. Yeah. War's changed. (laughs) I do kind of wish there was a little more customization of your crew. Like, XCOM is all about individualizing your units, and then when they die, you're like, fuck. Yeah. You lose everything. You really feel it. Like, in this, every class levels up together. So even if you had to switch to a different unit from the same class probably screwing up my words but like they're the same level they're virtually identical i think that that it does make playing the game convenient because you don't have to like go back and grind another character up like if they're like yeah so i i like what they were doing with that but yeah it does like it comes at the cost of customization 
And even, like, the extra weapons that the game gives you, I didn't find particularly useful ever. Because it's just like, oh, here's a rifle with, like, half the range and double damage. Like, I need my range. This is crazy. Yeah. Almost every single one, like, for machine guns and rifles was, like, terrible range Mm -hmm. for more damage. But, uh, yes, that's a very good game. It is very anime at places. Yeah. But I still think that even with those anime uh, eccentricities, uh, it's still just a damn well-told story. Um, Oh, definitely. And fantastic mechanics that are fun to engage with. Like, top to bottom, that game's a fucking ten. Yeah. I think the best parts of the story are the quieter, more human moments, though. Yes, yes. And not... Cool. We're going fucking anime now and lasers and yeah. The way the the way <laughs> the characters evolve, you know, it's, it's like it's like we said earlier. All of the characters have arcs that that really resolve in yeah. either really subtle or really impactful ways. Rosie's especially yeah hit fucking hard. That was yeah. For once, we're actually trying to be very careful about spoilers because. This sure game just yeah. This it game just, just came out on PC. Yeah, so even though this is like right a now. even though this is a six year old game, uh, it just you know it's like I'm and that's the thing. I am so glad this game is finding a, a new audience. I'm glad the this game is a second life for it. Like it's selling yeah. really well. Apparently, it's very yeah, like well older deserved. than the new Assassin's Creed. Yeah, that, yeah. that made me happy. <laughs> that made me really happy too. When I looked and saw it at number one, I'm like, well, fucking damn, good job. <laughs> that's after. No. No, if only Sega would localize Yakuza 5. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, maybe they're feeling a little more, uh, I guess... That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but maybe (laughs) maybe they can look at the West and think, hey, wait a minute, these guys backed up what they said they were going to do. We did Valkyria for them, so... You know, and even though that's a game that was already localized, I still still think that, you know, the sentiment's there that if they want it, it might be worth our time to show the goodwill because they may show that goodwill back. I'm just waiting for Vanquish on PC. I think it's coming. I don't think you're going to be waiting much longer. Didn't Shinji Mikami do that one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That game's so cool. There's even even a side character in that game named S. Mikami. Yeah. Uh Oh. (laughs) <laughs> I only knew it was a platinum game. I didn't know he worked with them. Play more platinum oh, cool. games, people. Platinum games. I didn't games even know that. Damn. Oh, Vanquish is so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Platinum. Nobody does games like Platinum, man. It's so good. I'm so excited to play Revengeance now. You should oh, be. Man, you should play Revengeance and you Bayonetta should. too. Oh man, they're all so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a Wii U, but I own Revengeance. So Yeah, you need to play Revengeance. Cool. And and Bayonetta too. I'll do that. Yeah, I don't have a Wii U. I, I will buy a res- Wii U, and that's one of the top ones I want. But I was I'm looking to buy one right now. I was looking through the Wii U games I'm borrowing earlier today. It was like, man, I could just throw in Bayonetta two and run through this. You should do that. I want to, should but that. again, I want to, but again, it's like I want to buy this console and have things and then have something fun. Yeah, so. play on it. Yeah. You could always play it again after you buy a Wii U. With I the Nintendo, you can play it again with the Nintendo costumes. Yeah, you might have a good point there. Well, there's, actually, there's no, a- no, because you have to unlock them, and you can't like transfer saves. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I thought, yeah, your save will still be there. No, oh, wait, oh, no. it's a Nintendo console. That oh, wouldn't oh, make oh, any oh. sense. <laughs> bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Nintendo. 
You rascals. So, Nintendo. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Damn, son, you... that That's quite a fucking haul, dude. <laughs> it sounds like you have probably had... Aside from John, because John has fun with fucking everything, uh, you've probably had the most fun uh, of the entire cast this time around, so I'm going to give you a gold star. Woo! I get a gold star? No. You know, it's funny oh, when you know. said I that. I have a lot of fun with my games, but whatever. You didn't have enough fun. You didn't have Sonic <laughs> 2 fun. Yeah, what? you d- <laughs> That's true. I didn't have Sonic. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say it. Valkyria <laughs> well, Chronicles might actually be Saga 2 fun. It sounds pretty great. Yeah. So, um... With with all of that out of the way, I think we can agree we all had good times, right? Yeah. There's yep. no yes. there's there's no need there's yeah. no need to play. I just favorites. remember that I also played through the Monument Valley um, expansion, which is this really cute little iPhone game that I think is really sweet. I've been meaning to check that out. Yeah. So it's I'll probably do super that at easy. Some point. Um, just run through it in an hour, then you can run through the DLC in an hour, and it's really rewarding. I think. Why did you stop, John? You've got another forty three minutes. Keep going. No, I, I was no, deliberate. No, no, no. I was deliberately just being like, "It's good." I'm cute. messing with you. I'm messing with you. John. Oh, I can't. I can't pretend to fall asleep this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, um, yeah. as we are want to do on every episode, we have to check in with our good friend Rhett and ask him the very important question: Hey, Rhett. Hey. How's early access doing? Uh, so the early access program, we've. We talked about it a lot. It's mm-hmm. had its ups. It's had its downs. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's big news this week. Is there? Yes. The early access program has made its way to consoles. Ooh, oh, yeah. has it really? I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo have announced they are also releasing early access games now. Uh, they released two this week. Now available on early think access. Nintendo did. I think Nintendo still <laughs> releases finished games. <laughs> I'm not saying Nintendo the company. I'm saying Nintendo as a platform holder. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. So there were two early access releases this week. Right. One of them being Assassin's Creed. Oh, right. Yeah. I, that, I almost bought that. Almost. That game is that game's still in development. It's still got some issues. I can tell. Yeah, it's it's early. But you know, people right knew people knew going into it that that was the case. So it's okay. Of course, you know? yeah. You know, yeah. You, when you buy an early access game, you don't expect it to be finished. Like you you expect things like people's. To be ghosts with just floating wigs and eyeballs. Yeah, like, this is you just and really that. grotesque lips, teeth, lip teeth. <laughs> you know, this life, yo. life's tough out there for multi-million-dollar corporations. Yeah. You know, they've got to get you know those early access games I mean, out yeah, there. No, to... that, that's that's true to uh, 18th century France. A lot of people <laughs> were just floating eyeballs. This is true, and there were people swimming under the city. I had, I had, an, uncle, I had an uncle that lived there. He he told me all the stories. So it's all true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on Nintendo platforms, there was Sonic Boom. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, see, when you said Microsoft, I thought you were going to talk about Halo. Another no, I don't even, early I don't even access talk release. about that one, but that's also another one that's having some issues this week. Right. Yeah. But, you know, early access programs. That's Sonic Boom, though. Jesus Christ. That is a story <laughs> in and of itself, isn't it? And it looks like that story's just getting even more fucked up the more details that come out about it. Yeah, I it's feel like, bad. Now. For those that don't know, Sonic Boom released, and it's the new Sonic game that is a tie-in to a new dumb cartoon they're doing. And you know, I've I've heard the cartoon is not terrible. 
I'm that's, not. That's, I'm what not gonna, one, that's what the one person on Twitter I know who watches it said. I'm not going to be I the heard, one to brave I heard one it. person describe it as a Zero's era Sonic sprite comic type parody. Okay, and well, they meant what, what you, it. They what, meant it mean, as a compliment. What, what on earth do you mean by Zero's era? Okay, they meant it like an early, like 2001, 2002 Sonic the Hedgehog type sprite comic. Like oh, I would read those because I've literally kid. never heard anyone refer to that time period as Zeros. Our friend wrote a book called The Zeros in reference to that time so, period, so it just yeah, kind of stuck. Yeah, um, I guess. So like but, um, they meant it as like so they'll make jokes about like, oh, hey, hey man, your motivations don't make any sense. What are you talking about? So just that kind of like self-referential, self-referential, self-awareness. Um, but yeah, this game is a, a like a big old floaty turd um and and the, the 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 details that keep coming out about its troubled development just keep getting crazier and crazier mm-hmm. uh, like with, the like the one quality assurance guy that like worked <laughs> on the game yeah and apparently like a lot of this information had like leaked out in july uh because uh I guess it was that QA tester because a supposed QA tester uh, at Big Red Button um, posted on Reddit a while back, and like I said, in July, and all of these issues were mentioned uh, about how the game is just an incomplete mess, that they're just trying to get it out the door, and then, like, supposedly in July, like, almost all of the development team had either walked out or been laid off, so... Oh, God, oh. Yeah, it's not a pretty story now. No, it's like getting it's, real ugly. It's funny laughing at the game, like, oh, look how broken this is, and then you hear about, like, the developers. Yeah, that's, that's that just sad. Got yeah, fucked. AAA, AAA development in general just seems yeah, really, really, really you, sad. I, as, yeah. as, as incoherent as the definition of AAA is, I don't think anyone ever considered Sonic Boom AAA. Like, I'm just, just going to throw Look, anything that. with more than, I don't, like, I don't care if 30 people yeah. working on it engine, is sad. It's not AAA. Also Anything with, with more than 30 people <laughs> working on it in this industry is really sad because they're getting treated horribly, it seems like, just yeah. kind of across the board. It's like, to me, game development is this really personal thing where I take utmost pride in like the stuff I release. Mm-hmm. And just big developed games, won't say AAA or whatever, but just mm-hmm. games that have a management level. Yeah. They are just only focused on profits and getting it out the door. Just focus-tested this shit. Mm-hmm. It's just like there is no way Assassin's Creed was be- ready to be released this way. No. And how so do you think the people like, who made it feel about that? Exactly. They probably feel like shit listening to all this. It's like you can get an idea of how they felt like when Ubisoft like pushed back the release of Rayman or uh, Legends. Is it Legends? Oh, man. And, Legends. And like the dev team was very open about this fucking sucks. You know, it was just so you can get a pretty good idea of how it would feel to have to like just struggle internally with like this is the thing that we you know are busting our asses for and you're just gonna throw the slop out mm. yeah cause it's like every, all the reviews of Assassin's Creed Unity are like well it looks pretty but it's really fucking buggy and boring it's so like, so like great this is where we're at in this generation <laughs> yeah I think as a whole this generation is really kind of disappointing right now where it's like you have these games that just don't really perform very well on their native consoles and for that's whatever troubling. reason and that's troubling 
if you're having like if you're having problems this early in this console's life cycle of getting games to do the things you need them to do that's that's really yeah that's jarring and troubling on a level that like the industry is not ready for I don't know. I still think that if Hideo Kojima can get a game running at 1080/60, then you know, they're just well, rushing these games out too soon. Well, we're, that's mm-hmm. obvious because this is an annualized series. Yeah, it, they're not being. Uh, no, given no, no, time. no, no, no. It's more than annualized. They put out two Assassins. Yeah, they actually. That's uh, the funniest part. Yeah, there was another fucking Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. That one's apparently fine, though. Yeah, apparently. Even if it, even if they in that one they had the quality control person in the um, credits, and then the word one of the words in that sentence is misspelled. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> also, apparently, the like accent of the guy you play as is like a complete sham and like hilariously bad compared to like actual Irish accents, at least according to Danny O'Dwyer on the internet. Yeah. Oh, uh, he he would know attention. he's Irish. Yeah. So early yeah. access, huh? <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what's going on with games right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's finish your I mean, shit. You know, it's Call, great. Call of it's, Duty is fine. There's one game that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah good, good for Call of Duty fans. That's yeah, I'm that's glad for you them. know. But, but Jesus Christ, like Ubisoft especially needs to fucking step back and reexamine what the fuck are you thinking. I mean, the flip side, like, they're putting out Far Cry next week. Apparently that game is, like, totally fine, technically speaking. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. So... But, so, but, but just like, Ubisoft just seems so creatively bankrupt these days, though. I mean, every I game... I mean, aren't Far Cry is, Assassin's I mean, they are, they and are Watch Dogs, like, basically all the same game? They're basically... No, no, there's, there's birds in Far Cry. <laughs> there's, like, borrowed systems all over. It's still just like, here's a tower and a control point to reveal But yeah, they're, all, they're also putting that. out the crew uh, next month, which is the same thing except in cars. Yeah, it's just like... You know, we, we bitch about Activision being completely bankrupt on creativity, but let's have a look at fucking Ubisoft and, like, them just churning, churning out, out the same things. shit. And not even to any kind of technical degree. I mean, like, the PC versions of any of their games are just hot fucking garbage the moment they're released. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they use the same, like, PC development port for almost everything now. yeah. Except for Far Cry 3, which was done in-house and actually really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now Far Cry 4 is being done by that development house again. Oh, grand. And apparently they're blocking reviews of the PC version yeah. until it comes oh, out. Geez. Well, no, no, so, they're not blocking reviews. They haven't sent out the code yet. Like, I suppose well, if someone somehow magically had the code, they wouldn't block the review. But I think it's like, that's, Same thing. Same thing. I don't think that bodes yeah. well, though, if they're not showing it to, like, PC Gamer. Yeah. Yeah. So is all of this ba- are all of these games basically just variations on Assassin's Creed 2? Was that where it started? Kinda. I mean, yeah. Far-, Far Cry 2 was its own thing and I felt it felt different enough, but they've kind of met in the middle somewhere. Okay. It seems like they they went a lot of the way to make some of the weirder aspects of Far Cry 2 more forgiving. Yeah, they definitely And maybe kind of removed a lot of the flavor in the yeah. process. Yeah, Far Cry 3. I, I mean, I still loved Far Cry 3, so and and Far Cry Three Blood Dragon, which was <laughs> Blood Dragon so was really stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So that's early access in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. It was like finish your fucking shit. 
Like it's on consoles now. This is just this isn't what we should be fucking dealing with at yeah. oh right now. You looking know, at, like, like, I'm looking at Sonic Boom online. It's like every almost every stage is just like running on a racetrack and you can move between three different lanes. It's no. really dull. No, 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 no. No, no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> there's a lot. There's there's really oh the game is mostly slow ass platforming. There's hardly anything fast okay. about it at all. Like But the, even like these speed sections are like the they're speed the section. blandest kind of speed sections. Hold up. They're like the they're just like one specific kind of speed section in one of the other games, and, and then you, it's nothing but that. Have you seen the frame rate chugs on those sections too? Frame rate. Oh yeah, it's pretty <laughs> all ugly. I can, all I can say about Sonic Boom is bounce pad. <laughs> Yay, rings! <laughs> rings are cool. Bounce pad. Oh. oh, one other thing I forgot to mention about Sonic Boom though: the one big glitch in that game. Oh my is God. that. When you double oh, jump his yeah. knuckles, you you can pause the game and then unpause That's it and funny. jump again and then pause and jump and pause and jump and pause and jump and skip everything. But it's like that bug, That is a that is a bug in Contra Force. That's exactly. Like this is a bug that hasn't been really seen since the NES days of variables resetting when you pause the game. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a classic Mega Man tactic. Yeah, it's the pausing Mega Man to have the elect beam hit over and over. Except or you main. can't, like, skip most of the game by doing that in Mega Man 1. Yeah. yeah. And also, Mega Man 1's heart, so, like, I, I, I didn't feel bad using that. Yeah. That's but it's, to think that it's literally the exact same bug that Contra Force has. I know, that's like, when somebody, oh. descri- when somebody described the bug to me, I, I had a damn near, like, five-minute laugh fest. It was just like, are you kidding me? That's Contra Force. So Sonic Boom is, is, the, is the Contra Force of the Sonic series. I'm just fucking astounded that it's not Sonic 2006. It's, it has a lower <laughs> Metacritic score than that's, Sonic 2006. So, so it's objectively worse than Sonic 2006. Man, that's wow. incredibly hard to believe. So, Rhett, <laughs> I see you bouncing up and down in your seat there. You look like you are eager to talk about something that I know our good pal Moosey is just dying to hear about so why don't why don't I'm you so excited. why don't you hit us up with oh, my ears with what kind of news and you know you know I'm, I'm gonna be honest here i think this is potentially very exciting news because if they let's really are making changes they could wait, really wait, wait, improve let's, let, let's let reed say it. Let, let him say it let him have his oh moment my god. Oh my Rhett, god. Rhett, oh my god. what is what is this big news oh my god Oh my god! Has- <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> Splatoon has a single player mode. Yeah! Woo! Uh, I was hoping. Right. This is what I was holding out for. I think Splatoon it looks, looks cute. really fucking good. Yeah, I, I want to play Splatoon that pretty bad. Is amazing. Everything about that game looks so good. I guess the music in the trailer is done by like someone who worked on Jet Set Radio. Oh, fucking really? Maybe. I think that's people were speculating about that. I'm not sure if it's confirmed, but it kind of sounds like it. Like, this game is just oozing style. Oh, God. It has, like, of any new IP we've seen in, like, you know, the last few years, I think that game has so much personality to it. Yeah. It's just so much character. I I want it. So now that it's a 3D platformer with, like, the ink gun and 
the Church of Russell stuff that that brings. That's really cool. I'm so glad that they they're do, they're going that route. You know, on top of the multiplayer, which was already looking really strong at E3. Yeah, I mean, it is Nintendo. It is kind of assumed that there would be a single player stuff because it se- would seem incredibly out of character for Nintendo to make an online multiplayer only game. Correct. Yeah. But it's also crazy that they led with that. Yeah, it's. Oh God, Nintendo is so weird. Yeah. Yep. So it was it was bold of them to lead with it, it as a shooter. Yeah, yeah. But then they're like, oh, by the way, there's this awesome Mario Sunshine-ish but good platform. Yeah. I was wait, 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 wait. Wait. You're not going to tell me Mario Sunshine's good. You're not going to say that on my podcast. I'm going to say that Mario Sunshine is the best Mario game. Oh, get the fuck off. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. This call is over. This done. I'm out. (laughs) Just like Skyward Sword. Holly? Oh, god damn it. What the You guys are bad at jokes. I'm not really out. Uh, And I guess there's some other news. Nintendo is remaking Majora's Mask for the 3DS. Oh, so that Yay. that's cool. I'm right. happy about that. That's that's good news. Uh, art, I'm, they, I, all the art is really pretty. As as somebody who like only recently finished Ocarina of Time, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty excited um, for, to, to give this a go. Even though the prospect of playing Majora's Mask, it, it doesn't. It's, there are still a lot of things about it that doesn't sound like my kind of game. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, there's a lot of weirdness. But I, playing it, but it is a game that I will play. Uh, cool. You know, I think if they can smooth out some of the control issues, like even just having, oh wait, the 3ds doesn't have a right analog stick. Never mind. <laughs> the new 3ds does. Yes. Yeah, I think Nintendo seems to be hinting that the new 3ds will have some Majora's Mask enhancements, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like one of the trailers they uploaded is actually sixty frames a second. Oh wow, that's okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So mm-hmm. if it, the new 3ds one is sixty, that would be pretty. That would look slick. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that they're already coming out. I guess it feels a little weird that they're already coming out with that because um, it was a little sad because Anna was gonna get a 3ds. Anna's gonna get a 3ds or put it on our wedding registry along mm. with both of the new Pokemon's, so we can play them together. <laughs> But then I was like, well, do we want to wait for the new 3DS? I don't know. Yeah, announcing that thing before Christmas and not releasing it was so incredibly stupid. Yeah. But again, Mm -hmm. this is just typical, like, head-scratch Nintendo. Yeah, because I'm in the same... I mean, why why would they want to sell you a new 3DS now when they can sell you a 3DS now and a new 3DS next year? Kind of yeah, cool. yeah, they didn't need to announce it because it just made me less likely to want to buy a 3DS. Yeah, but I mean, I'm still gonna anyway because the 3DS is awesome now, and there's still like a trillion 3DS games I need to play. You could just buy a Japanese new 3DS and just play Japanese games. Oh, yeah, that'll work out well. <laughs> what? Play Majora's well, don't Mask. The, doesn't the new 3DS play 3DS games anyway? But uh, whatever. I don't. I just don't want to spend the nope. less amount of money. <laughs> Nintendo still does region locking. I thought that they were mm. thinking about reversing their decision on that. Well, yeah, but th- thinking doesn't it. mean anything. <laughs> you know what? The fact that they even acknowledged region locking is a step in the right. Like, they said the words region locking. They acknowledged that this is a thing people are talking about. I think it's interesting. Like, this is... God, Nintendo, I am so <laughs> conflicted about you. 
I'm thinking, like, hasn't Nintendo acknowledged that they suck at online? Yeah, the they've acknowledged it, yeah. They're thinking about getting better. I like the progress, Nintendo. I like that you're thinking about getting Nintendo better. Nintendo is thinking. It's thinking. It's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool because it's pretty cool that they announced an arena shooter where you're a bunch of squids shooting ink at each other in yeah. E3. That it's was a, really refreshing. That really yeah. turns competitive shooting on its head. I love that they take that personality and they marry it. They're marrying it with what seem like super solid mechanics. And yeah, God, Splatoon's going to be so rad. <laughs> but Majora's Mask, yeah, yeah, it's that's I, a feels like a weird game for a handheld. It really does because everything about in that game is just soup. Like takes a super fucking long time to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a game because of the way the save system worked, where it's like, you can't pick up and play. You've got to be, like, ready mm-hmm. to go. It feels like a thing where hours. you need to become a part of that. You need to s- convince yourself to be a part of that world for a couple hours at a time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and apparently they're, like, making some changes to dungeons and bosses as well. Oh, good, because those reading. dungeons were bad. I think, I'm not sure about dungeons. I saw they said one boss will be changed. Oh, is it the one you guys had problems with? The underwater boss. They did. That's the one they've shown a picture of, and he has like a new eye in his mouth. Uh, so possibly that's the one. Right. Mm-hmm. Apparently, also- I only had troubles with that boss because I didn't know about the electric shield thing, which yeah. made my life way harder in that whole sequence. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to change it. They might be redesigning all the bosses to kind of incorporate elements of Majora in them. Oh, like the, cool. This well, fish boss cool. has an eye in his mouth now, and that eye is a Majora eye. Oh, that's really it's re- cool. It's really creepy. Yeah, I think that's cool. wonder what they, that could be an implication of. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'd I'm be d- interested. I hope, they just, I hope they don't fuck with the lighting like they did in the Ocarina sequel, I in think, the Ocarina remake. I, I, I the screenshots. The screenshots look way better this time. Like, yeah, people have cool. already done dramatic side-by-sides, like... Zelda fans are pretty obsessive about this stuff, and it does look yeah. like this one. Well, justly in Ocarina's case, I mean, like, that Ganon fight was way worse than the remake because yeah. they fucked with the lighting. Yeah, when I went and back and watched... That was so cool. When I went back yeah. and watched the N64 version of that fight, I felt so gypped. Mm-hmm. Like, even the very first boss with the spider was way was just way more bright yeah. than the 3DS version. Yeah. And I think that's a problem in a game that's as, like, kind of atmospheric and engaging from that context as ocarina and at the same time though it is a handheld so you have to wonder what kind of concessions they have to make for brightness and contrast when you have to consider where people are going to be playing these games even though the screens are bright you've still got to make concessions i think for the fact that Mm -hmm. somebody could be playing this in public and it wouldn't be very visible if they didn't light it up a bit but it does Mm -hmm. kill a lot of the atmosphere of some of those you know like the ganon fight particularly like when i like i said when i saw the n64 version it was just like night and fucking day and i felt ripped mm-hmm. off yeah night and day god damn it <laughs> yep. yeah well i'm glad i'm glad that i played majora already and mm-hmm. but i think i, I will too. be interested in the remake and i'll be because and i'll be playing re- and i'll be playing that's a game that benefits from being like a weirdo n64 game too just having that kind of weird early 3d bizarreness to it kind of yeah. fits that game i think yeah it feels like a game where the visuals aging is almost a good thing because it's it gets weirder and creepier. Yeah, mm. it was like that moon 
creepiest thing I've ever seen in the video game. Like that and like Link screaming in pain when he puts on the transformation mask. Yeah. Like haunted me as a child. Mm -hmm. With like even I only played that game for like a couple hours because I only rented it as a kid. It's like haunted me for my entire life. Oh, poor Moosey. (laughs) I seriously wonder whose idea it was to put the face on the moon. It's such a weird fucking design decision because it doesn't really have any real story implications. The moon never talks or anything. No, it doesn't speak, it doesn't change. And nobody points out that the moon has a face. That's so fucking weird, but I love it. The face came from the moon. That's so fucking weird, but I love it. And even in one of the, the key arts of the game just has a giant yellow moon in the back with no face. Oh, weird. So it seems oh, like a, a thing cool that happens game. partway into development. Like, it's not even, like, in the concept art or something. Wow. But, yeah, there's just a giant face on the moon, and it's never mentioned in the game whatsoever. That's really cool. I like it's that. It's really weird. <sighs> so, any more news you got for us, Rhett? Or can we start wrapping this up? I think we're about done here. All right. So I want to remind everybody again to... Uh, if you want to participate in our little Game of the Year discussion, we want you to send us your top three games, and you can write a little bit about them uh, to podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. You can also send us general questions there, and we'll read them on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're on our way out of here, Mr. Moosey, my main McMahon, why don't you yes. tell everybody where we can find you? Um, the internet. Uh, you can find him at the Giant Bombs forums. He's a moderator yeah. there. He'll give. He's every- on Twitter too. If you message him, he'll give you free stuff. No, I won't. He won't. No. <laughs> he will. He will he buy you everything on your nothing. Steam wish list. Yeah, he will you buy you. Email him the secret word. <laughs> <laughs> the secret word is panties. That's none of that is true. None of that is true. He's only denying it because it's true. Rhett, where can we find you? Uh, Twitter, I guess. And inconsequential existence. Why am I doing these fucking things for you? I no, you that guys are. You guys are bad at this. I am John Thire, and you can find me at faraway.times.com, faraway.times.blogspot.com. I mean, if we're, if we're advertising, faraway.times.tumblr.com, at Chronomaniac, Chron C R O N. Oh god, he's breaking oh, that's up. That's hilariously timing. That is M A N I C. Oh wait, that's not intentional. Spell that right. You can email me. My email's on my website, farawaytimes.com. What do? What do? Perfect. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We, we are, are the only ones that love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs>